Welcome to Overthinking Episode 5, where we take fun, interesting ideas, overanalyze them, and run them to their logical conclusions, all in the name of exploration, education, and most importantly, entertainment. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And we don't claim to be experts in any of the topics we discuss here today. We simply find these ideas interesting as we hash them out in real time. Get ready to join us on this exciting, fun, crazy ride to nowhere. This week, we are trying to climb our way out of the Little Dipper. It's hectic, but you know what? We have a great view. I can't see the earth from here, but the stars are beautiful. Oh, yeah. We couldn't see the earth, huh? We feel very alone right now. (laughs) We're we're way too far away. And and on the topic of no longer, well, we're no longer feeling alone, we have our first guest, don't we, Devin? Yeah, this is going to be an exciting episode. It's very different. Um, We have Dean Tracy on, no relation, and... um, (laughs) That we know. De- <laughs> that we fair. Um, Dean is an amateur philosopher. Um, I think that would be the way you'd want me to introduce you. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. All right. Um, and he's just coming on the show today to talk to us about some fun thought experiment philosophy stuff because that's what we do. Yeah. Um, Dean, what are you drinking today? Uh, today we have rum and coke. Ooh, nice. Okay. Epic. It's an, an inferior version, a Coke Zero. I ran out of the real stuff. Oh, so. that's okay. We'll, we'll forgive you of this time. You know, on this podcast, <laughs> we're all about, you know, being forgiving of each other's shortcomings. So, <laughs> Dean, low-key, uh, that is my absolute favorite drink on the planet, rum and coke. Uh, really? Nice. No, like, alcoholic or otherwise, that is, that is it. That's, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I would have seen you more as a, I don't know. Distinguished champagne. I don't know. I've never even had tried champagne, so <laughs> maybe that okay, will when be I, my When favorite. I come over, we're we're <laughs> toasting with champagne. That's that's. The well, deal. What are you drinking, Luke? I have water. I'm doing a dry February. Um, oh. Yeah, it's a little. Yeah, so I'm like, you know what? It's good. Practicing like a new intermittent fasting, and that basically means no alcohol involved, which mm. is nice. It's actually been really nice. Saves money. Just trying and to be saves super healthy. Gut. Yeah, it Here is. But uh, but let's nice. um, let's get into so um, our first topic and Dean actually, we could have prepped you on this. This that would have been nice of us as hosts. Um, <laughs> but our first topic, uh, we always like to warm up our philosophy brains with just small thoughts we've had this week. In our segment, we call secrets uncovered, and this is just a time for us to have little thoughts, talk about them, and basically just say okay that's interesting and then move on to the real meat of things yeah okay um, I, I don't have any small thoughts prepared but may, maybe fine. one will come to mind on the fly yeah. <laughs> well that's we fun. can both yeah. go and, and then if you have anything yeah if you have anything luke did the same thing to me on our first episode yeah. and Even i just I, didn't do one yeah i know you didn't <laughs> it's okay I, I can talk enough for three uh <laughs> and interest so my my secret uncovered um is actually it come it comes a little bit from the idea of of purpose in life um and i'm someone who's very eclectic and i do a lot of things and then throughout this week in particular um i've realized like the human need to really accomplish something um purposeful in in short intervals and because i'm someone who i like to have big ideas and i like to think really big and I've realized that is very detrimental to me um, on a mental and su- successful level um, because I'm, if I'm not accomplishing that big goal, then I'm like, oh, wait, then I'm not moving anywhere. And so what I've done is I've really tried to focus on one project 
Um, and that's my focus. And then within that project, I'm setting myself goals within that. And it's actually, feel, it's been feeling really good. Like today's been like an awesome day. I accomplished a bunch yesterday. And by a bunch, I mean a bunch of small tasks. So um, I'm becoming a really big fan of doing my best to go against a little bit of my nature and focus on something and actually accomplish things. Does it feel like it kind of puts awesome. you at peace? Oh, oh, totally. Yeah. Because I can go to bed feeling like I actually did something and excited yeah. for the next day where I can also do something again. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You're getting compound interest on incremental improvement. Yes, I love that. <laughs> okay, we're, already, we're, we're having you that, on. <laughs> we have I, a new co-host. We have a, yeah, we now have a new co-host. Welcome. Uh, I love that. I love the idea of compound interest. Um, thinking about it in, you know, in the terms of your trajectory in life rather than a monetary. Um, wow. That makes so much sense. I'm, I'm, I'm reeling from Luke. this, Devin. I need you to talk. <laughs> I'm, th- I'm like, <laughs> that's the slight edge principle, Luke. You know that. Do Come I? on. You do. We've talked about it. Do we? Anyway, I I'll go. I don't, or, I don't or, know. Or the Matthew principle. Have you guys heard of the Matthew principle? I don't no. know much about it, but I've heard, heard it. I think so. <laughs> so I guess it comes from the Bible and it's, um, to those who have everything, more will be given. To those who have nothing, everything will be taken. Oh, mm, yeah. To those who have, more will be given. To those who do not have, even what they have will be taken. Yeah, uh, it's probably. probably oh wow! You're, okay, you actually have our, our scholar. Our local <laughs> All right, scholar. Our, lo- our local scholar. Right. That's a definite. Yeah, I guess. I guess economists use it, uh, and, and it's supposed to represent the idea that you know you start moving forward whatever advantages you get from moving forward, even, even small steps, um, mm, right. you're going to sort of get, get interest on that or, or, you know, snowball in the right direction kind mm-hmm. of thing. But the of course the danger is it works in the other way as well. You can, yep. you can snowball in the wrong direction. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, definitely. I think that's we, cool. That's a, that's a nice way of putting words to a principle. I think a lot of people might intuitively see, but not actually put into practice. Yeah. Especially remembering to use the advantages that you achieve. If you achieve something, use that right away and then gain more, more interest from that achievement instead of, le- instead of laying it to waste um, and just letting yeah. it sit there. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So so far, this has probably been a more interesting episode than our last four. Um, <laughs> I I thought I did good. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I have I, I I tend to always go back to just bashing the podcast and people who listen to it. Um, so well, I mean, what kind of nerd listen to a podcast you know, like this? It's a good strategy. Yeah. Set a little standard, and that way you can blow see, it out of the water see, every time. See, you know? Devin. Yeah, always, always be a, be a pessimist. That way, if things actually work, then great, awesome. I don't think that's what he said. <laughs> I love wait, what fallacy? What fallacy did I just use, Devin? Huh? We had we talked about fallacies a couple weeks ago. That was basically a straw man. See, there we go. We're learning yeah. about fallacies. That was my purpose, of course. That, that was what I was, I was intentionally trying to do. Luke that. messes up on purpose so I can call him out so <laughs> that the audience can learn. Always, it's totally not me just messing up and saying the wrong thing and um, Devin going, that's a fallacy. Why are you saying that? So Luke, you and I already talked about my secrets uncovered this week. So I'm going to share it. It's new to Dean. It'll be new to yeah. our audience. Um, but um, Dean, are you familiar? Have you heard of um, Roger Bannister? Um, no, it does not ring a bell. Okay. Um, Roger Bannister was an athlete. He was a long distance runner. And in 1954, he broke the world record for the fastest mile ever ran, um, which that on its own is pretty exciting, right? But the pivotal thing and the reason that he's, he's remembered today is 
because he was the first person to do a mile in under four minutes. And for centuries leading up to this, we believed that the human body was not capable of running a four-minute mile. Mm-hmm. And then he did it. And then by 1956, two years later, 37 other athletes did it. <laughs> Which is showing that it was mental fixedness. The only reason we couldn't do it is because we believed we couldn't do it. Uh, so learning this, hearing this story, this week I've been reflecting on my own life and trying to figure out what are my four-minute miles? Mm-hmm. What are the things that I'm not doing just because I think I can't do them? Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah. and this, I mean, this happens. I think one of the best things about pers- having a personal trainer is exactly this. Because I remember my personal trainer, who I ended up firing because he wasn't a great person, like <laughs> on a moral level. Um, uh, he was trying to like sell me drugs all the time and stuff. I'm like, no, I don't want this. Um, oh, probably bad drugs then, huh? Yeah. If you oh, saw any good drugs, it would be different. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The bad, the bad illegal kind of drugs. And so. Um, but what he did was he pushed me past, like, I wanted, like, I remember one time, he's like, we're going to do something so intensive today, you're going to hate me. And he said, you can scream at me, you're going to cuss me out. He said, like, you do this, and that's going to, like, that's the state you're going to be in, right? And he pushed me through this, and for, I think it was half an hour, just intensive, like, the most intense exercise I've ever done. And I was going to give up halfway. Like, if I was doing it, if I was doing it on my own, I would have given up in, like, a few minutes. And simply because I had someone ordering me to do something, telling me it's not okay to quit. Like, you can't quit. Like, you're not allowed to quit right now. Uh, which is like a tactic, you know, in the army and in the military, which is why I've briefly considered joining the military several times, right? And that, that's a bad reason to do that, uh, by the way. But, like, that's exactly what happens is that they like, look, you are you're bound. When you're alone, you're bound by what's going on inside your head. When you have someone else telling you what to do, all that mental thinking no longer, it no longer happens. Because you're not thinking about what I can do, you're being told to do something, and you just do it without thinking about whether you can or not. So that's an interesting way of yeah looking at it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's right. So we're talking like the mental thing. That's like the biggest thing um, in my mind. So yeah, but the four minute mile, fascinating, right? It's a point in history that I I, I believe changed a lot about how we understand a lot of different. um, different It's just such a great physical, like case study to point to when talking about a mental phenomenon, yep. right? Because we can talk about limiting beliefs all day and it doesn't really mean nearly as much until we can say, look at how this actually affects us. Yeah. And we actually have a picture that we can draw it and be like, look, for hundreds of years, we thought this wasn't possible. Then one person did it. Then everybody did it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> so I wonder if there's other factors there like uh, going on besides like his, his belief in himself. No, nope, that's it. Like that. <laughs> I'm like with a certain drug hitting the market at that point in, in, mm-hmm. in, you know, in terms of high-level athletes or whatnot. Because, right. I mean, didn't something similar happen with weightlifting where all kinds of records were constantly being beaten? And- I wonder. No, mm, no. Or, I mean, no okay. you studied this, didn't you? <laughs> our, our resident didn't, fact checker here uh, is googling uh, rapidly. No, I, I Dean, oh, did you I, actually I hate the study this? Of fact checkers. There's no, there's, no, there's, there's, facts don't exist for all intents and purposes. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and depends on where. Especially, you know, try to find a fact within 15 seconds. Because then you have uh, to you have to fact check the fact checker. Right, you know exactly. I mean? I mean, it, I'm just gonna um, I'm I'm gonna be the fact checker and I'm just gonna say things that I like and we're gonna go there with those. You go. <laughs> so Devin's turning into me. Because what have I done? Relevant. 
the, the truth <laughs> well, being attractive, I think, is actually relevant true. to what the truth yes. is. Yeah. You know? I, I think, well, or what we perceive as the truth. What? So, um, Dean, did you think of anything? Not to put you on the spot or anything, but if you don't have anything, um, we'll just move dang on. It. So, I, I did realize that I did have some interesting ideas, mm-hmm. uh, but that's as far as I went. Um, <laughs> okay. Honestly, honestly, that's I, what, I yeah. can actually no rain check later in the yeah. episode randomly. Yeah, I'll we think can of come back to it. Okay. Well, what um, we'll do is yeah. we'll in play the meantime, sound effect again, and we'll go into it, and then we'll come right back out of it, and we'll go throughout the episode. There you that's go. That's all on me on the editing. Hey. So it's up to. Me. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, hey, though, at this point, I'm giving you the show, Dean. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. Well, I just want to immediately just bounce off of something Luke was talking about, and because I mean, it sounded like he was like one way of thinking about that personal trainer idea is he was actually exporting not just his mental thinking, but like exporting the labor of his, his mental will. And like, you know what I mean? Instead of taking part of my brain, having to um, say like, okay, keep going, you got this. And the other part listening. Now the whole, now the whole thing can listen. Right. And while my personal trainer is the one yelling, you got this, keep going. Uh, you can't stop. You know what I mean? It's one, one way huh. of thinking about kind of like, yeah. um, what's going on there right because as humans we tend to have very specialized functions and our brain has specialized functions as well it's really interesting that we can sort of like we're like lego pieces and i can use mm-hmm. you for one thing and you know what i mean you right. use me for another and, and and all kinds of different ways okay uh but that being said we should just jump into yeah let's do it planned topic uh we can go off topic i suppose oh we uh, will <laughs> <laughs> so i was thinking um the topic today, religion, science, and their relationship, okay? Okay. So the nature of both, right? Um, what they play in, in our worldviews, you know, um, similarities they have, differences they have. So um, I guess first I want it, wanted to kind of open the mic up to like, what is your guys' conceptions or of both, like in terms of the most general features? like? How do you conceive of a religion? What makes it a religion, right? Same thing with science. What makes something scientific? Um, yeah. I mean, Devin, you probably have a real response to this. I have a, me, a Luke response. Uh, <laughs> I don't actually have a good response. Oh, you don't? Okay, I'll go so first. Then. you give a Luke response. I'll give a, I'll Luke, give a response. Luke response, but it'll be my I, Luke response. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're Devin's Luke response. Got it. Yes. Uh, so... When it comes to religion, that I mean, I was you know in I was very I was very religious for a long time, um, so I think l- looking at that, what I see, especially from the outside of that, is is a it's it's it, it's a personal it's a personal belief in something larger than yourself, um, and I I kind of want to I almost want to leave it at that. I know realize that that then includes belief in human just like the good of goodness of humans in like the the belief that you know um the you know whatever belief that the world is getting worse or better like what go ahead can i add to that <laughs> yeah um because you said it's the personal belief in something bigger than yourself and i'm thinking of and something to add to that yeah i want to just add the feature of it's an it's a shared personal belief so one person believing in something doesn't make it a religion Okay. A group of people believe. That's true. Yeah, right? that's, that's good. So yeah. a shared personal belief in something bigger than themselves. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a group. That's true. Because if it's just a personal mm-hmm. belief, then that's your just personal belief, and that's yeah. the difference between belief and religion. 
I suppose that's one way to do it. You know, you can get more fine grain, right? If I have such specific beliefs, then I have a very particular religion that only I belong to. (laughs) Exactly. But no, that would, how we usually use the term. Yeah, I agree. It's groups, groups Mm -hmm. of people. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I think the difference, and then of course, I think with, with science, it's that science is just a process of how we know things. It's a, it's a process of testing the world around us to learn, to learn about real, the nature of reality. We we're talking about, because we were talking about um, what truth was. Was it last week or is it two weeks ago? Um, I don't think we got into what truth is. Cause yeah, because remember you, you messaged me randomly. You're like, what do you define truth oh, as? Yeah, and yeah, you, yeah, yeah, and you just right. ghosted me. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. Yes, um, so that we was did, great. So we did talk about truth. Uh, and um, I was just kind of talking about, like, we we're, ta- we're we basically get inclusions. Like, truth is just the nature of reality, just what is real. It, does, it doesn't, tr- truth doesn't, reality doesn't change based on how we perceive it. We could be blind and not see something. That doesn't mean it isn't true or real. Um, so that's where I kind of go with, with sciences is that it's the, it's, the, it's the testing of what is reality, what is truth, and mm. kind of breaking it down to, to have the best, um, what is it, the, the best uh, viewpoint that we can possibly have mm. as fallible human beings who have limited um, who have li- the limited ability to actually perceive and experience the world around us. So that's fun. I have a dramatically different perspective of science. Than really? You do. Um, <laughs> I, I, like didn't, I didn't. I thought that that was just the normal. I'm just. And by the way, that's not my definition. That's just from what I have gathered from the people who actually state what science is. So. No, that, that is your definition. You just gave it off the spot. That's your belief of oh, okay. what science is. I mean, I'm not saying I made it up. Though. I'm not saying I'm making this up. Like that's. What, I just want to come from that point. Right. Um, yeah. You're coming yeah. from the perspective that it's like kind of like this shared shared view of that. Exactly. That yeah. Be, yeah. That's I would I'm say any um, any field of study that hinges on the scientific method is by definition science. But the reason why that's fundamentally different than your view is I don't think that the scientific method is apt at discovering truth at all. Really? Uh, well, okay, yeah, okay, I, I okay. think it fundamentally fails. Um, <laughs> I wonder why. Like, what, what, I um, think what it defines is though, like, what is what is truth though? Well, actually, you and I have a very similar definition. Of right. Truth. Exactly. So right. basically, how does the scientific method then not uh, discover reality, um, or the truths about reality, or what reality is? Actually. I, I kind of know your thoughts because we've talked about it before. Yeah. Dean, do you want to answer that question? Oh, oh yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, so reality, like with the you know capital R, right? All, all yeah. of it. Um, yeah, everything. I would say one way it doesn't at least fully capture the truth is that it tends to focus on um, the empirical and only mm-hmm. use inductive reasoning, right? So um, not that scientists can't use other forms of reasoning, right? But right. the scientific method, when we talk about that specifically, it tends to be inductive mm-hmm. and it tends to be testing physical things, yeah. right? And for anyone um, who didn't listen to our last episodes, could you quickly define inductive reasoning? Hmm. Just so um, everyone knows so we're on the same page. Leave a link in the show right. back to okay. that. Okay, okay fine. So, yeah. y- Devin, do you want to take that? You're actually our mathematician. Yeah, just just really quick. I didn't do want to interrupt well, you. It, I just wanted so, to... So d- deductive yeah. reasoning is you're going from these... Um, large ideas of we know this, we know this, you put it together and you can deduce this right. third thing. Right. right. And, and um, reasoning is, is establishing a pattern of like a irre, uh, regularity. Um, yeah, that's it. Know, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's it. I just want to go ahead. Devin, Devin probably has a more precise definition that he's thinking of. Um, 
Deductive reasoning is where it's logically structured such that the conclusions follow by necessity from the premises. Mm-hmm. So that's easy to explain and not give an example, but I think examples make it clear. Um, if I have the premise that all men are mortal, then I have the premise that Luke Maxwell is a man. Yeah, you didn't say Plato My conclusion time. is Luke Maxwell is mortal. Right. If both of my premises are true, my conclusion is true by necessity. Exactly. That's yeah. deductive. Inductive reasoning is more like a statistical approach mm-hmm. of looking at what has happened and then drawing a conclusion based on that as to what will happen. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 Good. Good. I just, yeah, I wanted to clarify our terms. Um, so that way, you know, anyone listening is not Good on confused you. about, Hey, uh, that's why I said, Hey, what, what do I, what do I do? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a podcast host. I'm a professional. I may not be a professional philosophy, but I am a professional at doing this right here. So <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Really? You get paid to do this? Um, yeah, actually I've, I've made a little bit of money. Not a lot. Nice. A bit. So yeah. Makes you a pro. Yep. Uh, so go or ahead. Then sorry. I can save for philosophy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Does anyone get paid for philosophy? <laughs> sorry, go ahead. The professor. Sure, yeah. Uh, go yeah. ahead, Dean. Sorry, if you remember if you c- c- to continue. Oh, so let's see. We were talking about how we... How we how oh, the limits of science. Yeah, the limits of science, mm-hmm. right? So... Um, so one worry immediately, right, is that um, if the world has non-physical things in it, mm-hmm. right, that aren't subject to uh, physical experiments, right, um, do we just throw those things out the window? Um, are they not important? Are there other avenues of reaching the, you know, that knowledge, mm-hmm. um, right? That might be, and you know, abstract objects, things like that, um, mathematical truths, all fall in that field as well. Um, I think Devin agrees. There, of course, I do. You know, the, the layman doesn't typically think of math as separate from science, right? right? Mm-hmm. But um, that's the strange thing about science is, well, in my opinion, it it it, it almost operates at like a religion. Um, so, I mean, in, in so many ways, right? I mean, they have followers. They have um, what I would call like the old-fashioned priests, right? Like you know, your priest. <laughs> Is this, the priest, you know, two, three hundred years ago was the person who held knowledge, who held like, you know, right. they were they determined the correct translation uh, of scripture and what right. it meant and things like that. They could that. read. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> so I mean, they could read it, Latin. Well, yeah, in that, a lot that of functional too. ways, in a lot of functional ways, science and religion are very similar. They both, um, maybe Joseph Campbell, I'm thinking of him, his definition of mythology, like right there. We all have a, a mythology in a sense that, not 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 meaning it's false, right? He, mm-hmm. Saying something is a myth in this technical term doesn't mean it's false. It means it's something like um, that which helps determine and define for us like the nature of our existence, where we came from, those important questions that all humans seem to be interested in throughout time, um, right. right? Right. So. Um, sorry, I got some yeah. kind of yeah. So basically, yeah. So kind of no, no worries. But like the scientific method. So basically, um, kind of looping back into why the scientific method isn't like uh isn't let's, let's say what was the, I don't want to miss, I don't want to straw menu Devin again. Um, what did you say? It wasn't the best tool we have to I understand reality. I said that I don't think that it's fundamentally capable at arriving at truths. Okay, you went that far. Okay, okay. I did go that okay. far. I don't know if I actually. <laughs> I don't know if that I'd go outright, that far. But right. that is what I said. Yeah, I don't know if I go. So that. I don't know if, if hard pressed. I don't think I defend that that strongly. But 
that was the original yeah. statement. Yeah, it's the, it's, the, um, it's the Luke answer. You get emotional right. and say something strong and then you retract it. <laughs> um, well, okay, I don't actually mean that, but like you understand what I was saying, right? Right. Um, so, then, oh, sorry, go ahead. Someone talk. Dean, no, Dean go, go ahead. On. Let's see how long we can have dead silence on the air. <laughs> That's the um, best thing to have. So, Luke, just like um, Dean kind of hinted at some of them, but um, the yeah. scientific method isn't capable at determining um, whether or not we have consciousness. The scientific right. method isn't capable of determining whether or not morals are valuable. Yeah. It can't. It can't. It can't evaluate the truth value behind the statements I'm making right now. Yeah. Well, the scientific method can't right. prove mathematics. It presupposes them. The scientific method cannot prove that the scientific method is a valuable method. Okay. Because that's circular reasoning. No. Yeah. That make, that totally makes <laughs> sense. And I think um, what, how I clarify my statement and I get, maybe backtrack a little because um, I think it's one of the best tools we have. Um, cause what it is, is that it's, it follow it just, you know, it follows the idea of let's observe, let's record and let's see if those recordings, um, fo- like are repeatable and if they're repeatable, then, okay, then, okay, this is like, let's, let's investigate this more. Let's see what circumstances are influencing this. Let's see if we change the circumstance, how does that change the results? Like that is and and that's, I think that's why I just see that as like, okay, it's it's a process that really anybody with the enough with the with the knowledge of how to actually properly do this can do because it's a very um, all it, all it relies in is to have you know that consciousness. Um, so that's why I think it's one it's one of the best ways to start. And we're I, mean, I think we're fledging like as a as a race. I think we're we're um, as like the human race. We're just starting to understand, you know, the vast entire world around us. You know, we haven't even, you know, visited other planets yet and seen... We know nothing. Exactly. And, well, that's the tagline of the show is that we're human, so therefore we're wrong. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I think in, with that kind of caveat, I was like, it's one of the best ways to understand it. What I'm, I'm actually curious to say, if you believe, I mean, both you, both Devin and Dean, uh, I'm going to probably mix up. I'm going to probably say the wrong name at one point during this show. <laughs> Roll with it. Um, is that what do you think is, is a maybe not necessarily a better way, but another way to actually understand reality? Is it philosophy? Is it, is it nothing? Absolutely. Philosophy, logic, logic. Okay. Is there, yeah. is there some example? Especially I'm, I, I, I've talked to, I talked to Devin a lot and Devin and I talk a lot. So I'm really <laughs> interested in Dean and like what your thoughts are on this. And maybe if you have something, if you, are you, do you follow the same kind of thought as that philosophy and logic are a better uh, way? Of well, something like it. I think it's, you know, important to keep an open mind. And um, right. I think that human reasoning is, is a big one, right? Right, of course. Um, we can reason about all kinds of things that aren't physical things. Yeah. Um, but also, strangely enough, personal experience is up there for me, which is, sounds just like, okay, what do you mean by that? But I mean, you know. Uh, of just trying to explain all of our personal experiences um, in life. Uh, okay. You know, essentially kind of a- adds into the picture. Yeah. And um, you're saying, I do I, think, and I'm sorry, I want to clarify that really quickly because I know if anyone's listening, they're going to hear a personal experience go, that's not a, like, are you talking, <laughs> are you talking mostly about yourself and yourself coming to conclusions rather than convincing other people based on your personal experiences? Are you talking like what? Um, like, can you define a little bit what you mean? Not quite. By- I, I I guess what I mean is, um, look, I have to take my own experiences as somehow more important than the reports of other people's experiences. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I understand and, that. There we go. That and I clear. and that's partly because 
um, how do I put it? Um, I think that, that the person, the I, you know, it, mm -hmm. is the ultimate authority on knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. What I mean by that is like, most people tend to think of like, okay, how do we know when we know, well, it has to do, be due to some objective method like the scientific method, you know, now once enough experts agree on X, Y, and Z, then I can say I know it. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're still the person who has to vet that system. If I'm if I'm saying the scientific method is the way to truth, it's still me saying it, right? And right. so it's only as it's only as convincing as as much as I convince myself. So if I've done enough yeah. research and, and you know I've been objective about it and mm -hmm. I concluded that, then that's fine. Yeah. But you still got to see it's still my conclusion. So exactly. I could also you know maybe I divine revelation is another one. I don't know mm -hmm. or whatever you know reasoning yeah. or yeah whatever yeah that makes total uh, sense i guess that's what yeah. i mean by personal experience yeah it's and i think to sum it i yeah because i wanted to make sure that you weren't saying like oh i just like i just have this like one experience i feel something and then automatically it's true for you know I, i'm trying to make it true for everybody in the world like i just wanted to caveat that and like make sure oh like yeah that yeah title. you don't want to over over generalize exactly that's true. exactly that's true yeah okay uh, so yeah sorry i'm i'm gonna and by the way so I tend if if I tend to like Devin, you guard me. I tend to want a clarification, especially for like stating things, especially about your beliefs, because I don't want you to come across as wrong. So uh, I think in any important conversation, the most important part is the definition yeah. of terms. Okay, good. Yeah. So I'm not going to stop you from asking. Oh, yeah. I trust. I just trust Devin <laughs> to just tell me to shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I yeah, I love and so in academic philosophy, right? It's really yeah. important to define your terms and to be right. clear and precise as possible. But mm -hmm. one interesting thing you run into in, um, uh, regarding definitions, right, is that. If you're dealing with a concept that is at the edge of our understanding, right? right. In other yeah. words, where we don't fully, you know, no one quite agrees on how it comes about, or everyone, there's different theories, um, then the resolution of your definition that can actually hurt you. So if, you're, if your definition is zoomed in with more detail than your actual understanding, Right then, what we're getting is is basically bad information because we're 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 being too specific in our definition when we don't have the the justification for being that specific. So, I mean, okay. in my conversations yeah. about God, for example, um, I think of God. I say God broadly defined, you know, in right. in most of my like when I'm talking about it, because um, to me, you know, I do think um, it's a it's a concept that has multiple parts and just because one part changes a little bit doesn't mean like, oh, that's not God anymore. Now, you know, you, he's whatever. He slightly changed the definition of all powerful or something like that. And therefore that's not God. No, the concept stays the same, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you, you, so, so in philosophy, right? When you, when you learn new information about a concept you already have, um, like for example, when we learned that there's H2O in water, yeah. we just update our definition. Right. We don't say, we don't change the word. We don't say, <laughs> yeah. okay, new concept entirely. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. No, you just updated your definition. But on the other hand, if we were wrong enough about a concept, like mm -hmm. when, when they moved from the theory of ether to space, you know what I mean? To, yeah. to, um, so we decided, okay, we're wrong enough. We actually do need an entire con new concept. We're not just updating our definition. Right. right? Or about the nature so, of the solar system and how it operates and things like that, you know? Like, okay, right, right. We need to just we actually change all of our concepts uh, to this yeah, information. So, so when when I'm defining something, um, 
often it's a it's a placeholder it's like here's here's how i'm conceiving of it it might be slightly different in reality and we'd have to update that you know what i mean right but that's like here's my best conception of it that's a really good that's actually a really good thing to say and something that we probably should have said at the beginning of the in the first episode too is that we can only define things to the best of our knowledge and if people have a problem with definitions they're like okay well do you think like our definitions are completely wrong like i'm calling this a phone well here it is i watch a phone (laughs) like or do you think that I'm merely saying, oh, it's a watch and you meant, oh, no, but it's actually a wristwatch because you could have a pocket watch, too. You know, like, I think that's like a, a difference mm-hmm. of, of saying, like, like yeah, tech, like maybe it might be a little different. You might see it a little differently, but that doesn't actually change what we're, it's not a big enough deal to actually you know, change what we're talking about. So right, a conversation right. tactic that I've always used is you use a word. I'm not sure about the way you're using it, regardless of what I think of the word. Yeah. I ask you to define it. I use your definition for the remainder of the yeah, conversation. Exactly. Yeah. It's just less friction. And most of the time, the definition of word isn't as important as the concept right. that word's trying to represent. Well, yeah, exactly. Usually. I mean, people, yeah, yeah, people say yeah. that all the time yeah, about <laughs> atheists. When people say atheists, like, well, do you mean that you believe that there is no God? Or are you unconvinced there is a God? Or do you, like, not, are you not even, like, searching for that? Or, like, do you, like, are you open to either? Like, like what does that actually mean? Because people use that word very liberally. Um, so like, that's the biggest example I've seen of that definition of just being like, okay, fine. We'll go with your, we'll just talk about what you're, what, what word you're using right now. And if we need to, we'll update our terms. Um, <laughs> generally speaking in that conversation, that's how I start. Yeah. And then by the end, after the conversation's gotten some traction, I go, by the way, it might be who you to know that the popular <laughs> definition of this word is. Exactly. <laughs> it depends on like, if you're having a deep <laughs> conversation with someone, it's important to know. But if you're just like talk, you're just talking and passing with somebody like, okay, it doesn't even matter. Like it, it literally can't it doesn't change the conversation but yeah that's a long segue um i you know i don't want to stop you from you you're talking about you know personal you're talking about um uh you were talking about personal rev- revelation we stopped there um you continued <laughs> off for a little bit and we stopped there uh about about terms and things like that so um to get back on track well, do you, do you remember completing your thought or yeah, well, I mean, let's go back to how we're conceiving and defining of science, right? Okay, so yeah, we talked we about the scientific method. I think that that is a very charitable sense uh, of, of how one would define science, right? It's like what mm-hmm. it actually is in theory. But then, um, you know, when you look in practice, first off, there's all kinds of fields that call themselves scientific fields, right? Yeah. So political Psychology. science, um, they, <laughs> the Department of Political Science didn't used to be called political science, right? Mm-hmm. So all these, all these fields trying to make this claim to some kind of scientific status. And so uh, one of the things that's interesting about science, right, is that mm-hmm. the word can, you, you know, mean different things depending upon the context. Of course, all words are like that, but I mean, right. you know, in particular um, actually is all over the place, in my opinion. Not just It's not just used to refer to the scientific method, but actually this was hinted at when you first answered, um, Luke, which mm-hmm. is that kind of whatever method gets us to the truth. You know what I mean? That's often mm-hmm. how people use the term. It's like, well, um, it's almost like science has won that psychological war, and now mm-hmm. people use it to mean, like, you know, whatever gives us actual yeah. evidence to believe. Right. Uh, or our close and, understanding of the truth. I should say that, that that's what I like, I don't think that science will tell us this is, this is the nature of reality. I'm like, well, like that's our best understanding or that's our viewpoint of nature of reality right now. Right. Right. I'm not like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean yeah. with any like certainty or anything yeah. like that necessarily. Um, but yeah, science is, is often kind of this catch all 
Um, but when you look at the different fields, they actually use different methodologies, right? And they use mm -hmm. all different kinds of things. You know, there's lots of reasoning going on, obviously, in political science, for example. It's mm -hmm. not just focused on the empirical. Um, so uh, anyhow, um, we were talking about philosophy as being another route to exactly. knowledge. And philosophy obviously uses human reasoning, logic, thought experiments. Uh, one of the interesting things about thought experiments, in my opinion, um, is that they're actually very similar to physical experiments in a sense mm -hmm. that in the abstract, they have the same variables in play, right? Mm -hmm. So in a physical experiment, you're trying to isolate variables. You're trying to have a control variable, right? Um, you're trying to have the thing that varies, the thing that doesn't. You're trying to keep track of all the causal connections. Well, mm -hmm. it turns out in thought experiments, if you're doing them correctly, the it's it's also true, right? That you're, you're basically, you want to have a clean a clean thought experiment that doesn't have uh, variables that aren't supposed to be considered, right? Mm -hmm. And um, oftentimes the subjects uh, do the thought experiments incorrectly and they consider things that aren't supposed to be considered. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, they're, 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 you know, the, the experiment is failing, right? We're having, we're having other causal hits that, that we're not looking for. Um, okay. Do you have that, an example of that? Um, yeah, so let's see. Um, there is a thought experiment called, actually, there's many variations of it, right? Uh, but the experience machine, right? Thomas Nagel uh, writes about the experience machine. I uh, hope I'm remembering that correctly. Um, but uh, the thought experiment is basically like, hey, if you could, if, you, if there was this machine that you could design your life, right? And kind of just step into the machine and live that life, but you'd be leaving, you know, you're leaving your friends and family behind. Um, um, would you do it, right? And mm -hmm. the thought experiment is designed to test, are there things that matter besides actual experience? You know, in other words, if you can design a, a, an ecstatic, perfect life, design heaven for yourself, mm -hmm. is that all that matters? Or is there more that matters besides like the pleasure or oh. whatever, you know, that you get from experience? Okay, well, answer time. Devin, I already know my answer. Do you, do you have, like, what do you think about that? <laughs> Well, he was bringing this up to give a point of how this experiment is misused. Oh, do you want to continue? <laughs> do you want to continue? Uh, continue on, on that then. Sure, then can, sure. So, um, so often, um, so I've done a research project on this thought experiment, right? And it, and you ask the students after giving their answer to the experiment, you ask them, well, why? You, why? Mm -hmm. Why is that your answer, right? And some of the, some of the students will appeal to things that were, they weren't supposed to be able to appeal to in in the description, the parameters of the thought experiment, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, um, if they're like, oh, I wouldn't want to leave all my family behind and I would worry that they would still have a crappy life and things like that. So you modify the experiment because you're not supposed to have them right. concerned about that, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you say, okay, just assume they could go with you or something like that. Yeah. Um, so that's one way of, of getting rid of that factor. Uh, okay. But that's the kind of thing that can happen in a thought experiment um, is that they're the like, like for another example is like the trolley case, right? A yeah, fa please. famous one. Yep. If you're having to decide between one and five lives and a common theme, students will as, you know, raise their hand and say, well, what if, you know, one guy's Hitler and the other five are Mother Teresa? And it's like, when we say abstract from that, what we're saying is, you know, that we don't want that to be a factor. Therefore, in, when you're envisioning thought, the thought experiment, envision them all as the same, relatively same kind of people, you yeah. know, same value or whatever in your mind, not horrible, not perfect, you know, whatever. Right. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah. We well, actually did. So we did the trolley problem uh, two, two or three weeks ago, uh, or two episodes. Our second episode was we. I introduced the trolley problem, and I'm glad. I actually, I started with it just being non-descript people. And then I was curious, though, especially with Devin, um, I'm, always, I'm always testing him. I'm like, okay, well, what if there was somebody in there? Like, how would that change? And of course, like, um, and of course, it, it changes everything and it becomes less empirical and becomes more personal, uh, which, of course, is what I wanted anyway. I wanted to get some personal emotion out of Devin. Um, <laughs> what do you think you achieved that? I think I did. I, well, by the end. Okay. I think by the end, because I basically, I had to push you to the point of where I said, okay, it's a loved one versus someone else. And you're like, okay, of course I choose the loved one. I'm like, well, duh, of course. Um, but I also caveated that with like, if I know the person, I'm probably choosing that person because I know they're interested. Yeah, exactly. Value. So you, you also came from a, from a mathematical <laughs> value, which was annoying to me because I wanted to get some emotion out of you. It's a common thing with my friends. I'm just trying to constantly get emotion out of them. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, a, a common thought for, that I had during the trolley problem was um, – you know, what are other people going to think if I choose A versus B? What, what is the law that. going and to think? You know what I mean? Did, and, yeah. and that's not supposed to affect your intuition yeah. either. Because yeah. then you have you have a circular reasoning, right? Where you're right. letting society determine your morals instead exactly. of the abstract reasoning yeah. determine the ideal. And then, you know right. what I mean? Of course, of course, it, yeah. It's actually very difficult. And this is part of some of the skepticism, I think, towards philosophy. It is very difficult to get a good thought experiment with good data going because yeah. it requires that each person not only kind of understand it fully but a level of intellectual sincerity right mm-hmm. um which you know it, it's actually not super easy to to kind of like reflect so, and try to be completely sincere uh, maybe we should rename our show to like failed thought experiments because i don't think we're <laughs> i mean if, if we're taking philosophy like to the utmost seriousness then yeah, no, we wouldn't have a podcast <laughs> in the first place. Um, we we make mis- we I mean we we we've made mistakes in the episode and we're like wait, wait that's kind of weird and then afterwards I'll be like editing and I'll be like oh huh, that's fun I think we made a fallacy there um, but that's not the point of the show the point of the show is I've fun. never made a fallacy in public. I'm sure that is a fallacy of um, not knowing every detail of your life but um, <laughs> but so okay so that's that's good that's that's interesting so. If you want to have fun with a thought experiment, you can add all those features in because who cares? But if you actually want to have a discussion around, well, okay, let's take this thought experiment and let's actually talk about it. Then we want to eliminate um, those different, you know, what, would you say, like, what are some, what are some, like, points to eliminate? Like, is it personal bias? Um, so where it depends on the specific th- thought experiment, what okay. you're trying to isolate. But, yeah, you, you're certainly... In a way, funny enough, in a way, you're not trying to eliminate personal bias. In a way, you're trying to isolate it, it and make and force it. itself to rear its ugly head, isolate right? Because what we're okay. doing is we're, we're trying to, you know, discover something about ourselves that we don't already know, right? Mm-hmm. You're trying to think, what, what do I actually think if this happens? Do I think this is right or this is wrong? You know what I mean? You're, you're judging your intuitions there. Uh, some people don't like the word intuitions, right? But yeah. in philosophy, what we mean by an intuition is like something like um, a judgment that I have, but I don't have access to the reasoning or data for why I made that judgment. Okay? okay. So it's like a raw, like, you know, you see an animal, you see a cat getting tortured and you just have this gut reaction like that's bad. You know what I mean? 
you don't have like the you know you don't necessarily have this reasoning process in your head it's like okay he's he's taking 17 you know on a scale of one to 100 he's at a 17 pain and right, you know yeah. that this is more than whatever um so yeah one question is like why think the human mind in general would have access to any kind of level of truth via intuition right mm -hmm. and it turns out well the brain is this awesome thing that has all kinds of data and it collects data and you have a subconscious and you know what I mean? Like for example, right. when, when someone throws a baseball at me, I'm not doing the calculations, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. My, my head just moves out of the way. Uh, or it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Or it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we have, we, we tend to be able to um, project, um, you know, for example, you know, you could fantasize about, how you would react if your crush came up to you and said this. And it turns out if you're good at fantasizing, you could actually get an accurate depiction of what would happen if you, if you know yourself yeah. well and you know your crush well and you're, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. not far-fetched to, to kind of think like um, what would happen kind of projecting forward. That, okay. Yes, that's, kind yeah, of so that's actually interesting because I never thought about thought experiments in the term of intuition. I always thought about it as more of like a logical thing. And that makes sense. It makes total sense um, because, you know, every person's going to give a different answer um, for different reasons in different ways. And by that own definition, that's not, you don't, you don't have like a, a big, like logical answer as it varies from person to person. Right, yeah. right. And of course, but it is super interesting when we get huge like well, similarities of course. in yeah, results. Of course. That's, yeah. that's what we try to base our arguments on, you know. Right. And that tells us a bit about, Yeah. yeah. That tells, I mean, I think that, that also tells us a little more about like sociology, right, too. Like that's where that comes into play is that un helps us understand people in general. If I'm using those words right, right? Am I? Yeah, yeah kind of. It's like, well, I mean, I guess that. I, I, I mean, can, none of us are sociologists. So. No, I mean, I, I have experience in psycho psychology. is my, one of my fields of semi-expertises, um, mostly from practical knowledge um, rather than education knowledge, most of it, 80-20 rule, right? Um, yeah, so that's, so that's, yeah, that's, that's actually, that's really interesting um, with that. Um, I'm, I'm very curious, I mean, I know you, you, have, a, you have a bunch of notes, so like, um, but in there, do you have a thought experiment for us to run through? Oh, good question. Um, let's see. I didn't if, have... Yeah, I mean, if, if you have one off the top of your head or maybe, or if you just want to discuss, you know, what you, like... You have like, uh, maybe, uh, let's see, let's, I'm kind of veering away from the topic. So maybe let's go into, um, is it, if it's okay with you, Yeah. if I jump right into, we gave you the yeah, show. You're, you're the, you're the, right, you're, the right. you're in charge um, of the show right now. Yeah. We're just our, the humble host. We're along for the ride. Yeah, we're along for the ride. Okay. So, so does science require faith? Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. I think, um, oh. Go for it. Well, okay. Well, I mean, okay, fine. I, I spoke first. I'll take it. Um, that was probably a mistake on my part. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> now that I think about it, I am stuck with this. Uh, so I think, I think the definition of, of faith would, I mean, when I think of faith, it's that it's something that you can't necessarily prove, but you still believe, correct? Do you hold to that position of definition of faith? Or what do you mean by yeah? I'm I, yeah. I conceive of it kind of like that. I think faith, faith or trust are kind of interchangeable here. You know, um, it, when you have trust in well, no, I guess I think yeah. I trust you could trust something experience. because it's trustworthy, huh? Yeah, exactly. I guess yeah. Faith would more like be. Hmm. 
dang, you got me there. Because what I don't mean is blind faith necessarily. Right. And I assume that you didn't. But, I, I want to give you the benefit yeah, yeah, of the doubt but, there. But faith definitely, definitely does have a, cer- a certain amount of um, trust without evidence. Yeah, right. yeah. Trust without yeah. evidence or just It's kind of like taking yeah. – would you liken it to taking a leap? Like you have some – you have enough – you have enough belief. If you're standing on a cliff and there's a layer of fog there – you have enough evidence and belief to actually t- that there is water like five pe- feet below it that you can safely jump into, and you're like, okay, yeah. I, I I know enough about the the top the geology of this place of what people said to actually take that leap, and technically that would be a literal leap of faith because you're not 100% positive that it's safe, but you have enough to convince you to take that leap. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting way of thinking about it too, because you're you, what you're saying is like um, you're convinced of it in one way, right? Maybe mentally right. or like in your head, you think you have all the evidence. But in another way, here's the actual physical landscape, and mm-hmm. you know I right, do not exactly. see the water, so I'm having right. to take the jump, yeah, yeah, that leap. But yeah, yeah, so, something, some, some type of trust without uh, all the evidence. Okay, and maybe I mean maybe to make it, make it even clearer. To say like there's enough reward down there, like there's enough reason to jump, that it overrides the small percentage that I, I could be wrong. Like to say like there's a chest of gold at the bottom of the of that river. Like it's like okay the the uh, the 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 what is it? The results greatly outweigh the risk involved. Yeah, yeah, that that's interesting. I wasn't thinking about adding value into the mix, but yeah. it works. I think typically yeah. when we discuss faith, usually it comes to the faith, you know, of go of, of you know an afterlife. I think a lot of times because that's something that we can't, or of a of, of a god or of an afterlife. Because I think most people use faith to associate with that. Am I, yeah, am I wrong? Yeah, definitely yeah. faith in God. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. That's typically. I mean, that's usually how it's used, right? At least from right. most of the people I use. So, so what do you think? Does science require faith? Level? Um, that's interesting. I think that the process of science doesn't require faith. I think that the actual result that science gives us, what I would, I guess, technically based on my definition I just gave, would would require faith because you would say. Um, I'm trying to think of a good explanation, um, or a good, sorry, a good, um, um, real world result. Devin, help me if you have one with a real world result. No, sorry. A real world example of something of like something I would take on, like technically speaking faith by my definition that science has produced. Um, mm. so like, let's say, let's say there's studies. Okay. That's what it is. Okay. There's like actually an interesting one. So I know someone not well, they're like a, they're like family friend who claim that they, well, actually, no, two people. I know two people um, that claim they have electrosensitivity. They say that they're, if they're around anything electrical, anything that emits any kind of frequency, that they have an allergic reaction to it, right? And it's not an uncommon thing for people to claim. I know of studies that have tested people that claim these things, and they've all been proven wrong. Um, so... By my thing, I would say by by when I'm talking to these people, I could say, based on what I've the evidence I've seen, I do not believe you. I understand you may have this, so like I take it. So, but it's 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 contradicted by someone who I know, who I have no reason to disbelieve, who say that they have these experiences. So I, I so I right. So I could say that I have faith in science that they are wrong. And so I think that's like one of the best, like interesting examples I can come up with, 
um, because I feel bad. Like, obviously, I've never, I would never, like, I would never openly, like, I've, when I talk to these people, I'd never been like, yeah, yeah, you're wrong and you have a problem. They and know you what help. you believe now. Well, they don't, okay. One person, one, okay. Also, they so don't, they can't that listen wasn't to electrical. The you, did not, you didn't answer the question, Luke. You said you had, you said you had a faith in one of the scientific, uh, uh, a result of a science. Yeah, I would say result, thing, but that's 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 I think, not. So you still, so you think science doesn't require faith? Then I, I don't. I, maybe I'm misunderstanding because um, I don't see how you can have faith in a process. Um, of well, yeah, if you think the process is rely gives you reliable results, then you have faith in the process. Yeah. Well, at times that's why. Well, maybe am I am well, I being needlessly like? And correct me, like definitely correct me if I'm being needlessly um wor- like wordy with this. Is I think it. In my perspective, it'd be more accurate to say I have faith in the results, because saying I have faith in the process doesn't really mean anything. Like you can't have like having faith in a process doesn't mean anything because I guess then you could say then you have faith in the results as well. Yeah, Can I chime in. On yeah, this? I guess I, I guess yeah, I'm tripping over myself a little bit. So um, I think it's absolutely appropriate to say that we have faith in a process, and okay. we have faith in result, but. I think, Dean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the question you wanted to ask was, does the belief in science require faith? Right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We're, okay, we're so not quite yet. hitting the right. Okay, yeah. That, um, that. But I take it, you know, I take it you, you, you basically think science is a good method and therefore you don't need faith. You, you have evidence. But that's a show right. of your strength of faith in the process. Right. Well, exactly. Yeah, I think. That's, well, I, wanna, I mean, yeah, not, sure, not necessarily, yeah. right? If he thinks he doesn't need faith to, to, to back up. Like a, a common a common reaction, right? When when I think Dawkins' response to this question, you know, do you have okay. faith in science? Is you know, he's like, well, it works or something like that. Well, it that, works, yeah, and so he simple. he points to technology in a sense, or he points to the the material results, right? Yeah, a lot of times uh, it doesn't work though. So, but um, yeah, that's another thing. It, it works. <laughs> that's why. That's why I would never. That's why. That's why I'm being very careful about like not like giving a blanket statement. I think I think my I think my problem with understanding this question is that for me this the the procedure of science like even from what we learned you know when like we're in third grade right when we learn about like forming a hypothesis testing the hypothesis forming a theory right that kind of thing um, to me it's it just seems very like a very logical approach to finding information is that saying I think this is true let's look out into reality and see if it is okay by our best estimations. This is this by a rest estimation. This is the result. Either it's not true, something it's partially true, or something else is, or it is true. Yeah. So it sounds like basically, the scientific process is contained, uh, in within reasoning such that you don't need faith. Well, it it's kind like of yeah. It's kind of like having faith in inductive reasoning. That's kind of like my like what I'm thinking because that's kind of like we just talked about how you know the process is a bit inductive. So I yeah. guess if you could say you have faith in inductive reasoning, then I'd have to say, yeah, I guess I have faith in, in the scientific process. Um, yeah, so there, there's some, like, fundamental things that we can't prove, right? Like, right. Um, this is actually, you know, I think Hume, right? The problem of induction is that there's – we can't prove that um, – we can't, we can't prove that the universe is regular. We have to assume it's regular. But anyhow, they Inter- have regular but, right. I'm actually interested regular, in, in if you want to expand but, upon that. Um. um that's fine. That's well, fine. No, just, no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. So because we're not using deduction, right? If we're just plotting data points yeah. and it's all statistics. Uh, at how many points are you convinced that the pattern won't change after we've, right. okay. um, yeah. let, let's say we've watched the universe for a thousand years and we say, mm-hmm. here's the pattern. It's never changed from this pattern. 
there's still nothing showing that it's impossible that the pattern won't change tomorrow. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? So that, that's kind of like the problem of induction in terms of you can never get certainty with it is the problem of in, uh, induction. Yeah, right? of course. Cause the pattern, uh, cause it could be like if one in a hundred times or one in a hundred days, something changes or something's different. And if we only live a hundred days, you know, and we haven't hit that one yet. Right. Right. You know, then that, you know, I think as I'm trying to create like a simple, like a simple approach that just kind of put it in my mind. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this whole this whole does science require faith i think you know is kind of a let's get more specific i mean faith the problem with the term faith and belief is Mm. um they're kind of all or nothing right so i either believe something or don't um i either have faith in something or don't but what we really mean right um is like look how confident am i am i in a particular belief it has a magnitude right and when my confidence passes a certain magical point called the credence value then that's supposed to be justified for me to say I believe it, right? But the mm-hmm. point is that there's a magnitude here. And so, you know, I think it's it's fair to point out that although faith does play a role in a lot of religious lives, mm-hmm. um, it also, you have to have a certain amount of faith in the things that we can't prove right. that we assume in yeah. science, right? Like yeah. particular methods, you know, right. or the method. And, and a huge one to me is just, the literacy of recognizing the boundary of science, like screw, like under not undermining its foundations or anything yeah. like that. Just like a lot of people don't recognize the boundaries of science and therefore yeah. they don't recognize the value oh, yeah. of other methodologies. Of course. You know I mean? so yeah. That's, that's a huge one. Yeah. But so sorry if I'm all over the place. I no, just no, 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 this is all very, experiment. I'm very, I'm very, in, no, I'm, I'm really interested in this. I, I want, like, I want your, both of your answers, um, Devin okay. and Luke on this thought experiment. So this was, um, let's see, as an undergrad, this was, Cohen's class. This was really good. He's an awesome professor, uh, Professor mm-hmm. Cohen. So, um, Sara, okay, you're a scientist, right? Or there's a group of scientists, and they're trying to they're trying to um, build a machine that determines whether someone's in pain or not. Okay? okay, so they put someone. You know, they're building a machine. They put someone in the machine. How how does science go about doing that? Well, they'll look at the brain waves, right? They'll record mm-hmm. every physical thing they can about the person and they'll ask the person, are you in pain? Yes or no? And they'll tell them, right? Okay, well, they keep doing that thousands of times, thousands right. of tens of thousands of times. They get lots of good data, right? And it turns out when people are in this particular physical pattern state, whatever, you know, referring to neurons in their brains, whatever, yeah. um, then they report being in pain. And when they're not in these particular set of states, they report not being in pain. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now they've done this, you know, over years, they've quote unquote perfected the method. Right. So now you're in a lot of pain. You step in the machine. Machine says you're not in pain. Who do you believe? Oh, okay. Okay. That's, I mean, I've been saying, I've been talking first this entire time. Devin, do you want to? Take the first step at this. I have a very simple answer, but I think my answer is more, I understand your point. Um, Obviously, I stepped in the machine. I know I'm in pain. Why would I believe it? The more interesting part of this is the scientist who helped you into the machine no longer believes you. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, what is that? What what is that? Like... So you just say, like, your answer is in that you just know you're in pain? You're yeah, really... I know I'm in pain. Why would I believe a machine over my personal experience? Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I have a history of not trusting my mind. That's, I mean, but so like the problem is that it's a feeling, like feelings is personal to you. And, and correct me, like, and please stop me if I'm breaking, like, if, I, if the, like, I'm breaking the thought experiment in ways that we discussed earlier. Um, mm-hmm. So please stop me um, if I'm doing that. Because um, my thought with this is that pain is, it, it, trans, it transcends from the physical to the mental. So yep. it's, it's actual physical receptors sending signals to our brain, mm-hmm. which then is interpreted by our consciousness, you know, us. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, experience, sorry, I should say it's, it's experienced by our consciousness. Um, and in that case, I would say that there's, I mean, I personally, if I was in that state, I would go, okay, there's something else wrong with me. And I'll say, okay, so like I may, this, this says I'm not in pain. That means something else is broken. There's something, there's a problem with my consciousness. But keep keep in mind, part of the stipulation is that you you have the feeling of pain. Right. Right. You have the feeling of pain, and so you're saying because a scientist told you that you're not in pain, you think you're in um, a slightly different state that's similar to pain or something like that. Is that Can we saying? localize this? Okay. Let's say you have a knife sticking out of your thigh. Well, wh- the machine says you're not in pain. Oh, that that actually no. does yeah. the thought experiment. Yeah, see, uh, yeah. Why? It, well, we here's the idea. I mean, because if there's not an apparent physical cause of the pain, um, mm-hmm. okay, we haven't done the second phase of the thought experiment yet, which is okay. why I, okay, the second okay. phase was, was essentially what you you hinted at, Devin. Okay. Now you're the scientist and someone else is telling you, no, nah, man, I'm really in pain, but mm-hmm. the machine says I'm not. Who do you believe? So, right. Actually, so if I, I have, I have actually another, I've I've thought uh, in the 15 seconds, I have actually thought about this. Um, It's interesting. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. Uh, Yay for Luke. Yay for Luke thinking (laughs) for once. Um, (laughs) Instead of just giving his gut reaction, which was the first one. That was my gut reaction. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, cause I guess the, I guess the term pain is very general to me because I've experienced a lot of mental pain in my life. And that's not a firing of neurons. Like, that's not, like, that is purely something in your mind. Like, sure, you could say there, there might be something mental going on. We're still trying to learn what it is. So I would say I don't understand neurology enough to, to give, a, like, that definition. But as far as I know is that we're very limited currently in this. Wait, no. I'm, wait, let me phrase. <laughs> I'm tripping over myself again. I would say that that would be something that would be, um, that I would say that then I would believe myself. If it was okay. something, if it, if I'm experiencing like it, like, cause this has happened, like I've been, you know, in the hospital and they say, are you in pain? And I'm like, yeah, there's something like going on and they take mm-hmm. me for my word because they're just good. They're, they trust me unless of course they think I'm like seek whatever. But if I'm going to say the mental pain and then they say, no, you're not in pain. I would go, no, I know I'm in pain. And this right, is something right. that you might not be able to test for because it involves the consciousness, which is immaterial. Right, exactly. So you're hitting on the point there, um, which is all of our answers are going to be yes, right? Pray, uh, pain broadly defined, yeah. because within conscious experience, there's no distinction between appearance and reality. Mm-hmm. So in other words, being in pain and having the illusion of pain collapses into the same thing. It's, poss- it's impossible to have the illusion of pain by definition, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you think you're in pain, you're actually in pain. Right, <laughs> See, right. um, so 
um, what notice that the if you're the scientist on the outside mm. and someone said you know yeah. you've known this machine the machine has supposedly been working properly for a long time right. you have all this data right there's only two explanations um, either the machine you know this is the machine needs to be calibrated further mm-hmm. maybe this is a very specific case of pain that it's never seen before um, or the person's lying Right. But when you're the person, the lying part is not a not an option. You felt right. the pain. Exactly. Oh, I see. So yeah. Know, so you know that the machine has to be calibrated further. Mm-hmm. But notice this: you're calibrating an an objective thing, a machine, based off of subjective experiences. It can never be. It can never capture the yeah. reality of it. More so, you know. This is why they say consciousness is fundamental, right? Um, you can never sort of like. Um, how do I put it? Um, you, when when it comes to matters of consciousness, in other words, science has to rely on the subjective uh, inputs of the. Right. They have no I, choice but to rely on the thought experiments. That what gives the actual data. Yeah. In other words, mm-hmm. like when you're dealing and, with paint, for right. example. And that makes a lot yeah. more that that I think that clarifies a lot of what we were talking about earlier about having faith in science. Is mm-hmm. that by the nature of reality, we have to, there is nothing objective. There is only like what we can see, what we can observe is subjective for each circumstance and place. Um, whereas when we're dealing with something immaterial like numbers, th- they can't be subjective because it doesn't actually exist, right? It's, it's, an, it's an abstract thought. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I mean, okay. <laughs> right. I was a bit strong. I was exist. a bit strong on there. Abstract, oh, okay. okay. Abstract, 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 abstract definitely exist. They just I don't was, have a different. That's true. Yeah, sorry. I, I meant I, I meant by. <laughs> You meant they're not material, exactly. Which Sorry. shows that you're a materialist. Yeah. <laughs> what? Are you, okay, whatever. Uh, no, I was talking about misrepresenting, and now I feel attacked. Uh, <laughs> true. Okay, I misspoke. I looped that up. Okay, I'll admit. Yeah. Uh, yes, thank you, Devin. So the reason why I say shots fired, right, is that um, I think consciousness is, is a large aspect uh, of reality that science is not very good, or possibly. They have a very limited role, I would say, a very limited role to play in discovering the nature of consciousness and mm. its implications, et cetera, um, because of the kind of yeah. thing consciousness is, right? right exactly. um, um, but that doesn't mean – see, that doesn't mean the question is is devalued, and that's unfortunately what a lot of science does. And I think this again, why I call it a uh, religion, and a lot of people call it scientism, right, as a religion, mm-hmm. is because it defends itself, like a lot of religions do, right, instinctively defend themselves against criticisms and things like that. So, like, um, you ever notice that, like, in science, you're never wrong, in a sense that if you got it wrong, when, whenever science used to think it operated some way, and it, um, now they say, oh, but through the scientific method, we discovered that's wrong. And, you know, now right. we have this new information. It's like, okay, so does religion have that mechanism, that backflip me- mechanism where they can take a failure and make people see it as a success, right? No, instead, no. it seems to me, anyhow, I have the impression that anytime religion changes its mind, it's seen as failure. It's like, oh, they had to, of course they had to update their theories because now there's evolution. Or of course they had to update their theories because of that. But, you know, I'd like to point out both religion and science have ways of updating themselves. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, some of the ways are rational, some of the ways are irrational. But um, when we're going back to defining religion and science, I noticed most of you, or both of you use content-based descriptions, uh, def definitions instead of process-based. So like a process-based definition, right, would be like um, um, the science, like um, religion is religion because uh, they believe uh, knowledge is achieved through divine revelation or something like that or or a dogmatic belief in a particular god be, a particular book being the word of god and that's mm -hmm. their method of attaining knowledge or something like that so okay. you point to the method right um instead of the the sort of content of what they're studying but definitely both play a role right we have a sense mm -hmm. that definitely religions have to do with afterlife or god and things like that right. um okay okay um, I am yeah. kind of bouncing off the walls you know, here. No, that's interesting. I think I think a couple I'm things. I'm kind of going in a million directions. Yeah. No, and that that is very interesting. Um, I don't think I've. I mean, I've heard I've heard some of the things, but not phrased in that way. Um, I think an, I think an interesting point. I think for me at least, the difference, and like talking about um, like faith in science versus faith in religion. I think the difference between the two is that um, most really, and again, we're being very broad about religion, like belief, right? Um, yeah most will claim a truth um, versus science saying we're trying to find at least our best, our best understanding of the truth. And we're not there yet. I think that's the big difference for me. And um, so that's, I think that's why I think, and also, and I'm not saying like, I believe this or anything, but I think that's generally why if a religion changes, why it's criticized because it's seen as, or it presented itself as, you know, the truth and, depending on the, depending on whatever, like I'm not, <laughs> there isn't any details to actually debate, right? And I'm not trying to get into that at all. Um, but I think that's generally, I think that's the, the big difference uh, for me in that perception is that it's the difference between saying you have truth and saying that, okay, we're going to find our best, um, our best understanding of that truth. Right. So I truth. think the scientific ahead, method definitely. has a truth claim in it. Really? The scientific method's truth claim is one that I already said it can't prove. Wait, which, which that one? The scientific method is the most appropriate use I think it's a be to finding truth. Well, I think it's the best tool that we have. I think that's the difference. Is that No, I think that's scientific. Yeah. That's the scientific method's truth claim is that this is the best tool. And that's what they're defending. Yeah. And when it's shown to be misused and wrong, Dean's pointed out that it has a natural defense system built in. Right. So there is a truth claim, and it's actually stronger than a religion's truth claim in that you can neither prove nor disprove it ever. Like, I'm a Christian. Right. If I want to show you definitively that Christ is God, I have to prove that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Yeah. If you want to show me definitively that Jesus Christ is not God, prove that he didn't. Right. The scientific method has this cool circular reasoning defense of you cannot prove that I am wrong. Period. I, I <laughs> it is interesting and anything that gets close yeah, this, is dismissed by science culturally like yeah, I was that's, that's philosophy. The case. I, like, I would say I would say that I definitely I don't I'm not against and I will, I will say that for anyone else, I'm not a, I'm not against any like all of us are pals here like um, um, but yeah I, I think it, it, it is interesting I would definitely need I would definitely need to understand more things to actually have this discussion. I'm not equipped. Um, I will. I will say that. Yeah, outright. you are. You are. Yeah, you are. Okay. Uh, 
or maybe off air. Um, so like, let me let you me, have Dean let Tracy me, let me bounce back yeah. and defend think, science you, a little bit. Let me let me bounce back and defend Luke. Like, well, like, I'm not, so, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on one side by the way. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, yeah, not, yeah, no. I'm not the defender of science over here. So, I yeah, want to make that clear. The interesting thing is I'm, I, I don't consider myself an enemy of science, right? Yeah. But culturally, culturally, the way it operates um, as a religion, I'm, I, I guess I have criticisms of, of science. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, of course. I think but, anything, yeah. anything is worthy of criticism. And, no. and every, I mean, I think that's a, just the nature of us being humans is that whatever we develop, um, whatever we, you know, have, whatever processes that we create, we're fallible. So therefore, I don't think we can ever create something that it, we can say is infallible. Um, right, right. So that's why, that's why, that's why I'm not saying like, I believe in science and all that stuff and that it's like, and that it's the perfect, like, not at all. Like, I think that mm. everything that we, everything, and that's why, that's one thing, honestly, that what makes me an optimist mm-hmm. is that we are so fallible, but that's a great thing because we can always start working. Like that's the nature of reality, accept it. And now mm-hmm. we can improve as a species over time. And you know, that's, I think that's a beautiful thing to see is that it's to see us improving over time definitely, um, definitely. and, and correcting our fallacies, be, you know, as we go to the best of our ability. Um, and that's why, that's why I stay away from, you know, making certain claims of doing this and that because I'm like, you know what? I'm a fallible human being. I make mistakes every – I've made mistakes during this episode, um, <laughs> you know? And, and so, like, that's, like, that's why I love uh, philosophy too is because – I mean, correct me. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've never heard philosophy – You're human. You are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. That was an accident. Like that came by an accident, and I love that that's become our thing. Um, is there any claims that because philosophy doesn't make any claims, right? Well, Ooh. so it, it's a very that's general it. field, right? So exactly. what's interesting about mm. philosophy um, is it tends to be where most fields tend to be defined by their content. Like you know, what right. do you study? Like oh, I study yeah. history. I study this. It's the content, right? Um, philosophy. The content so broad that it ends right. up getting defined by its methodology. So, which is which is okay. which is a methodology that's um, reflective, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, it it can it can argue with itself and change its mind. In other words, it doesn't have a set methodology. The methodologies themselves are up for debate. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, over time, empirically, I can describe what the methodologies are in terms of like human reasoning, logic, et cetera. Right. But when you get in the details, uh, philosophers are arguing about all the details all the time, right? Yeah, about what is correct reasoning, what is right. uh, correct logic, um, et cetera. But um, one of the things that fascinated me about philosophy that Dean, you and I had this conversation once is that um, most fields of study, and to my belief, my understanding at the time was all fields of study start with axiomatic truths. They start with things that they agree are true, that they cannot prove. They call those their axioms and they build on them. Um, and philosophy, uh, there's a big part of philosophy, correct me if I'm wrong, that's developing any axioms that we think we might have and then picking at them and determining the validity behind them. And so philosophy doesn't actually have axiomatic truths in the same way that any scientific field of study does. Um, Is that accurate? I think that's accurate. Yeah. So if you look in like, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Devin, but right, if you're looking at axioms in math, there's like agreed mm-hmm. upon axioms, right? There's just like, here's yes. the axioms that help us 
um, establish that addition is possible or whatever. Right. Unprovable, um, agreed upon truth. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's so, how a mathematician defines an axiom. So although philosophy deals in axioms, right, you might be studying mm -hmm. various axioms for whatever reason, the field itself doesn't have any agreed upon axioms right. that sort of, you know. Yeah. Um, now, of course, you know, philosophers are highfalutin and they like to argue about this at as well so there's, a, there's a, <laughs> of course you know, in the subfield called first philosophy is a bunch of arguments for what why this particular philosophy should be considered first philosophy and then of course when i say first philosophy you're probably thinking chronologically first no that's not what they're thinking they're thinking of like logically first like as in like here's why this should be the foundation of all philosophy <laughs> mm. you know here's why my philosophy is really the foundation of all philosophy right. so sometimes the epistemologists you know will make this claim that it's really mm. epistemology knowledge has to I be a foundation that. and then right. metaphysics will say no obviously we study the nature of reality uh, um we're we're we have to be yeah. first like <laughs> right. yeah 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 and yeah and that's and that's why i love philosophy is because like it, it is a it is a place to be like okay let's th let's think about these things let's debate them and we're not going to try to come to a claim that we're like this is the truth um we're trying to best understand you know like Every like what philosophy is, which right, which like you said is kind of almost everything. Yeah, it it's is so a, broad. It's very broad. It's very you know, it's, broad. It's very. It's just uh, yeah. It's just very. But so I, I will say we are trying to find truths, and many of us do yeah. claim to have found some. Um, but but in philosophy, the problems are bigger than their solutions, right? In other exactly. words, you tend to be dealing with problems that even if you find what you think is a solution, you don't have a, a way of proving it in such a way that you're going to convince the everyone so in other words they tend to be long-standing problems that mm -hmm. are not very easily solvable yeah. but they're still you know they're still valuable is the thing they're still valuable because they help us learn about the possibilities for their solution about the 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 barriers to knowing certainty about the solution right mm -hmm. uh, they often reveal parts about yourself um and you know of course i have my convictions in terms of philosophical convictions right. that i can't just quote unquote prove to anyone Mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean I'm not fairly confident in, in right. them. Right, and exactly. And my life and, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. Might change the way I view the world, mm -hmm. everything like that. So let me jump back real quick to, yeah. to science as and like I, And I also want to be respectful of your time as well because, I mean, we're running up towards the episode. So I, I just want to respect your time. So, you know, like, I don't want to keep you, you know, for too long. Um so if, if yeah yeah like, I'm good to go so ahead, like, okay. if you need to you're give me to, a five minute warning or whatever okay. no no, no you're good, good you're too. good you're yeah. good to keep going I just didn't want you to think that you're held captive here uh, yeah. <laughs> no you are held captive we have <laughs> yeah to no we're yeah end. we're held captive by you so you you <laughs> you well, let us go when I don't know if you guys knew this but I actually had an ulterior motive today my goal is that we figure everything out before we let Dean go. <laughs> Okay, sounds good. <laughs> well, nah, I'll need to use the bathroom before that happens. Though. Real um. resolution. <laughs> Very general <laughs> statements about reality. Okay. No. Uh, but yeah, sorry. I yeah. think therefore I am. There we go. <laughs> Hang up. We're done. Everything's solved. The world is perfect. Uh, <laughs> sorry. So, so yeah. Luke, I noticed like when you're characterizing science and the scientific method, mm -hmm. it's kind of in a humble way that like, it can update itself. It can recognize its own mistakes, right? Right. And exactly. um, I can see that. Um, I can see that being the case in a sense. Um, but in my experience, right? Like, so mm -hmm. going back to the definition between religion and science, right? Right. Um, a lot of people think of religion as dog dogmatic, and science is not dogmatic, right? So, but in my mm -hmm. experience, 
what we should be focused on is dogmatic people versus non-dogmatic exactly. people. Exactly. Right? Because that's, uh, you yeah, can become totally a scientist that, yeah. and be com- completely convinced of your views and not listen to anything else. Yep. And then and find all the, the data uh, in any you. particular religion. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And that's why I don't believe most studies in pop, in like pop culture because – it's just people finding things that they want to find in data and manipulating data. Like, so that's why, right. like, I that is one Coffee thing. Coffee both causes and cures cancer. Right. So you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. So does red wine. A glass of red wine can make you younger. Like, I just, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm just like, obviously, I don't, I don't believe that without doing a lot of research, and I don't care enough to do that research. Um, <laughs> but no, that's. I think that's kind of what I was getting at too. Um, that I didn't quite get there was that that's exactly the kind of thing that I don't like is someone who says they believe something and then basically just um, who who that belief, it filters everything so that way they can't um, mm. They can't really see, you know, they can't use, you know, let's say the scientific method appropriately because mm. they're warping everything to their, their would, it be, would it be appropriate to say their axiom? I've never their, used that Their that world before. view, yeah, their, their ideology. ideology. Yeah. Right. right. So, so like an example, Luke, would probably be uh, a Christian who doesn't believe in evolution exactly. and refuses to look at the evidence for exactly. evolution. And, they, yeah. and if they right. see them like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to look. I'm, I'm a, Bible says that's not how it exactly. works. Exactly. So I'm going to turn over way. here. I'm going to look somewhere else. <laughs> um. Total, like total. I think that's. I think that, and I, I think that's the fundamental breakdown of you know of of um, of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and thought. You know. I think that's like going back because uh, I mean I always, I'm always. If we aren't willing to challenge accept, yeah. assumptions, right. We can't. Well, and grow, that's why. And right? again, that's why I love philosophy is because that's what it, it's. It that's what it is. Like it's okay. Let's 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 challenge and. Question of course, everything. other fields do that, but it is questioning. It's it's the question yeah. of well, 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 why? Well, let's break it down. Like, is that does that process logical? Is that what's fueling that um, the first thing that that goes to that conclusion? Um, your right, premise right. that goes to that conclusion. Like, that's why that's why I love it is because there isn't room for some like if someone comes in with a preconceived notion, then it it's it's very at least for me to to see it. It's very easy to see and go. Well, obviously, like the nature of philosophy is that that you can't come to a reasonable conclusion if you, if you're warping through your lens, right? Right. Am you I saying anything? Like, am I saying just, anything? Yeah, yeah. You right? want to definitely <laughs> say as objective as possible. Yeah, yeah. I'm just. But yeah. you know what? This is one of my criticism criticisms of science, at least in practice, at least as mm-hmm. as it's actually being played out in our culture, mm-hmm. right? Is that in my opinion, like that. When I was a TA, right, at UC San Diego, mm-hmm. um, both as a TA and as a writing instructor, I I noticed, and this is going to be a generalization, but the students who were in the sciences, who were in the STEM fields, they were very arrogant about what they knew, right? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and <laughs> anything that wasn't that had to be definitely be proven. So it's like, um, I think there's a sense in which, you know, you're, there's a little bit too much confidence in science, both in practice and 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 in not understanding its theoretical foundations and its limits, right? Right. But mm-hmm. um, but then there's just like they have this sense of we figured everything out. There's just very little details left in physics. Um, you know, all the big questions have been answered. And having studied philosophy for most of my life, I'm like at the opposite spectrum, right? I'm like mm-hmm. studying philosophy as has made me question everything right and we don't know crap basically is my conclusion yeah nothing's been and, answered and yeah. the, the the things that have been answered are almost trivial mundane stuff like the empirical yeah. stuff like i mean are you kidding 
if yeah. you if we actually limit science to the empirical stuff, a computer can do it, right? Gather data, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. Gather the data, you know. But in terms of the actual reasoning, which is, to me is the big part, the critical thinking, the the reasoning, which some scientists do have, but they're not known, noticed that science in general is not known for specializing in critical thinking or reasoning or anything like that. Or, you know what I mean? They're mm -hmm. not used to justifying their own foundations. So in a sense, modern scientists are even way worse than scientists were three, 400 years ago. At least they had a yeah. sense of their foundations, right? Yeah. Now it's like the way these students are taught, I feel is like, here's what we know. And then they're taught that way for maybe like at least the four years of undergrad, unless they get some really good professors. Then when you get yeah. it to high level, even of the, the sciences, right? Um, then they're taught, oh, actually, you know, there's all these unsolved issues and there's debates about how to solve them and blah, blah, blah. But how, so how it should be going, and I'm going like, I'm thinking at least high school, maybe earlier, is you stop telling, you stop lying to the next generation. You stop lying to people and saying, here's what we know. It should always be framed the following, right? Here's what we think we know. Here's why we think we know it. Because right. then, you know, you don't have to do that transition to adulthood, so, so to speak, when you get to the graduate level and you realize, oh, crap, you know, like, actually, we, apparently we don't know anything. Um, and yeah, maybe and that's that, a simplification. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> but, and I think, well, I mean, I, and, uh, and uh, I've spent a lot of time talking with, I, I, I work in mental health for and deal with teens. So I say deal with teens. I mean, I, you know, I, I talk to a lot of teenagers at the school level, in person, over, you know, right? One thing they're always constantly talking about was a fair of the school system instead of just teaching them, instead of just telling them it mm -hmm. is actually saying okay let's learn this right there's, there's this mm -hmm. subject right let's 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 talk about this let's learn this that's the number one complaint that i get is is a, is from teens when talking about their mental struggles is the school system and how it fails and i think that's generally i think Looking at it from also from a marketing perspective, looking at you know looking at analytics and, and out in the world and observing, um, is that the most arrogant, the loudest, pe like the most arrogant people, and the most divisive people are the loudest. Dunning Kruger effect. Yep. And also, yeah. you know, what is it like? They say like what ten percent? It only takes a ten percent of an extreme view to pull the rest of the people you know on that side with them. Um, yeah. I forget, I don't have a source for that. I forget. I did read it in an actual like scientific something. Um, I forget where it was, but like, so it's that, that's, I think that's like, honestly, what I see when it comes to discussion and thought and, you know, discovering truth. And we're talking about like, we've talked about this entire time, you know, in like, you know, at the very beginning, like truth is that it's turned, it's turned into an us versus them. And we're the smart ones and they're the dumb ones. Right, right, exactly. Right? And there um, needs to and, be a more of a conversation, uh, right. you know, occurring. Everyone thinks that they're the best person, um, and that and that the other person is the worst person. And everyone, and if everyone thinks, well, Luke, that, you are the best person. Well, I know that, duh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Obviously, I know that. No one else will realize that, though. Uh, so see, like, and so like, I'm not, a, and I'm not a, like, I don't think any of us are immune to that. Um, no. And it's very interesting for me to actually study. Um, to learn about um, ancient humans and about like the formation of us versus them as a survival technique and how it's and how it's trickled down to be so detrimental to us as a way of thinking, um, and like even experiments with um, babies and talking about you know if 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 you show a, if you show like a baby a toy that you're playing with and you give it to them they'll be more likely to like you um, versus or I'm, I'm I'm paraphrasing the experiment it was much longer more intensive than that. Um, but, you know, even in, in young babies, you know, like I think they did nine months and then two years. 
you could see uh, an effect of us versus them in them, even if it's slight, even if it's, you know, it's a small percentage, it gets higher as they get older. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of like, like when it, when it comes to, let's, and again, right. I'm going to say, I'm going to say this over the entire run of this podcast is that I love philosophy because it is, uh, it is separate from a lot of these things. It's not, um, it shouldn't be at least, and I'm right and you're wrong. It's that here's the idea that's discussed different viewpoints of it. Let's do our best to come to a conclusion, um, based on, you know, based on our, our premises that lead to these conclusions. So that's why, I mean, can't I do both? Can't I say that I'm right and you're I mean, wrong? So let's look at these reasons that. and draw this in. <laughs> <laughs> you can say anything you want. Like, um, I don't. I, I think that was my goal of this podcast. <laughs> my, hey, so, I kid. One of the interesting things about the relationship between philosophy and science is that they used to be the same thing, right? right. So, you know, mm-hmm. it, science was just called natural philosophy or naturalistic mm-hmm. philosophy, right? And, uh, one interesting question is like why, why and how did they separate to yeah. to become to be known to Cold diverge? Form. You know, and I assume Devin? there's multiple reasons. But go ahead, Devin. I have Devin's an raising his hand very answer. wildly. Yes, you in the front. You you over there. In the, in the- I, have a, I have a solid answer. Uh, philosophy is the love of knowledge. Knowledge is dangerous. Scientific advancement, human advancement. Let's avoid knowledge. I yeah. was so, like, not at the very least, let's avoid giving knowledge to everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's very interesting. The, and also, so, and just I want to I want to put this out there, is that I'm very curious about other cultures around the world and how they view the difference of philosophy and, and science. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I'm wondering. Because I mean, I think I mean I see this as very much. I mean, and again, like this is from my perspective in being you know in America and seeing this is that pop culture. Um, and science, and you have someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is the most smug, annoying person in the world, who like who has that right, who has like who has that notion, and like even like Bill Nye's new show, he's gonna sue us now. Yeah, because he's totally gonna hear this. Even like and Bill's nice show is that it's the whole like the whole idea is I'm right and you're wrong, and and I and I and I find that just so annoying and presumptuous to be like you're a fallible human being just like me. You're not right. <laughs> like just by definition of fallible is that everything you're talking about guess what you're not and like something may be more true maybe closer to truth than others but it doesn't mean that what you're saying and what you're defining is is truth and that's just something that annoys me so much uh, <laughs> and people go on tv and, and say that and dismiss everybody else who has a well, different viewpoint Anybody with a lab coat gets to say whatever they want, right. and it's taken yeah. as gospel by our yeah. culture. Yeah, have you ever seen right. any kind of um, <laughs> any kind of uh, uh, like thief show or like leverage? You know, like heist shows. Is that like have you seen how many times they put on a, on a doctor's coat and they immediately just get to breeze through? I mean, of course, the, you know, it's it's. It's, that's a, that's a show. It's not real, <laughs> but I I've always loved that about putting on a uniform and then immediately by that uniform being perceived as the expert in what you're saying is more right than anybody else, yeah. um, and being able to just like I hate that. I, no, well, I don't. I, when I, I say I love it, I mean it's hilarious to me that we're here like as a, as a culture. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. So so that's that's also one of my main um, issues with science nowadays, and this actually goes a little broader than science, right? In a sense that we seem to be, and you know, I wanna get your guys' input on this as well, just mm-hmm. as an empirical observation. Um, we seem to be 
more reliant on authority figures and experts yeah. than ever before in human history. Oh yeah, well because and so yeah, more and more people yeah. are not thinking for themselves, right? It, you, right? Like for example, you hear people get shamed for like googling medical advice instead of going yeah. to a doctor, for example. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'm not on board with that. I'm really not on yeah. board with that. The more I look into things my, myself, if it's important to you, then you yeah. should look into it yourself at some point. Yeah. I mean, I'm you not really trying to take dismiss all the information. And, yeah. Yeah. As best you, you can. And, you know, obviously yeah. some things are complex. Right. But um, I think we definitely need some soul searching as individuals. Like, mm-hmm. and I mean, everyone like in this society, right? Because yeah. I think one of, one of my interests in philosophy is that, look, it deals with issues of right or wrong, of ultimate mm-hmm. value, what, how you should live your life. Science does not deal with those issues. Science is incapable because that's a non-empirical question, right? Mm-hmm. How much yeah, exactly. is one life is not is not a matter. You know, you can't measure something and get the answer to that. So uh, yeah, uh, I'll be I'll be right. You and Devin talk. I'm actually interested in seeing how this turns out. You and Devin talk. I'm going to be right back. Just a second. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Bye. <laughs> so yeah, I, don't really um, I mean. Um, <laughs> Where was I? Shoot. <laughs> Sorry, lost it there. Uh, but, but. Uh... You made a really big statement, and I don't know if I fully agree with it, that uh, you said that we are more dependent on, like, the opinion of experts than any other time in human history. Is that, was that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, basically, um, we become more specialized, right? Hyper-specialized as we've become successful. And so, um we have more experts and more experts typically means you're expected to use them essentially. Right. And, um, which of course isn't bad, um, all entirely, but the problem is we're used to having experts run our lives and we essentially can't do that when it comes to certain things of, uh, important questions, right. Of how we should live our life, what we should value Mm. in life, what's important, um, things, things like that. So, well, those are funny ones because the counter example that I had in my head was actually like, the middle ages with the Roman Catholic church. Right. Um, but at that point, the only expert that we actually listened to was on the things you're saying right now, how should we live our lives? And right. Oh, and that, that didn't go too well either. Right. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> so, may, well, I mean, it, it lasted for a long time. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I tend to think libertarian type view in terms of like, um, everyone should do as much, soul searching as they as they should mm-hmm. when it comes to important questions right uh in life you know what i mean yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. science doesn't i i don't get that uh vibe from science i mean in part because i mean well it's a whole nother uh, whole nother field right but like whether or not science allows objective values at all um it yeah. is one question right we might, we might tackle yeah. Right. I just I mean, realized I was muted. Um, <laughs> I knew you were muted. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 forgot, I was, I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wasn't saying anything important. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think because I think one thing that we everyone can do has the ability to do is to live their best life possible. I think, and I think that's one thing that, regardless of um, what, like, what truth they they find, like, whatever it is, I think everyone can see the effects they have on others. And that's the one thing, universal thing, I think everyone can agree on is that, right? And not maybe not. And there's there's complexity, of course, you know. In you know discipline, it's technically hurting someone, but it's for their good, you know, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Jeez, I, I just saw you just your hand come up. I'm like, whoa, a bit strong, Devin. Um, but yeah, I think and like you're talking about, you know, that libertarian view of you know, like 
look like do like do the best you can you only know you're the only person who knows you and mm-hmm. and and who you are and how you think and how you perceive <laughs> things and no one can teach you how you perceive things um so you need to take the information out there and perceive and perceive it in the, in in the best way possible mm-hmm. like you know that kind of right yeah riffing riffing yeah. off of that I'll, I'll have my random thought for the day to go back okay. to that segment hey ready what's up um, secrets uncovered Secrets uncovered. Okay, so this one I'm stealing. I, I like to steal. I steal good ideas all the time. Um, is the idea that the point of adulthood, the specific point of adulthood, when you go from an adolescent to to an adult, is mm-hmm. when you realize that no one knows how to lead your life better than you. Yeah. Like, hmm. so it's both. It's supposed to be both a comforting and terrifying realization, right? That, you know, your father doesn't, your mother doesn't kn- know what you should do with your life better than you do. Right. Um, point of adulthood. It's interesting. It is, well, yeah, it is. And I, I assume for a parent. Are you a parent by chance, Dean? Am I a parent? Yeah, a parent. Parent. Oh, okay. A I parent. thought you were asking if I was a bird, like a parent. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's father insulting. three. Okay, father, father three. three. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, I think you would understand way better than Devin or I. The other, the flip side of that perspective, though, in the holding back. And I'm actually, I mean... In, in the holding back of being like, okay, I can't control you, even though I want you to live the best life possible. I'm just going to do my best to impart what I have and, and give you the foundation so that way you can, you know, live your best life possible. Yeah, you definitely want, don't want to protect them from the world, right? right? You want to strengthen them and give them optimal exactly. challenges. And, you know, I, I definitely have could have could have done a better job. Uh, I mean, and every, doing every, that, still every, working every, on it. <laughs> tell, um, t- point me to the perfect parent, and uh, then I'll criticize you, right? Yeah. First stone, <laughs> whole thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, and that's that's that is, it is fascinating about. I mean, again, uh, with with philosophy, and, and I'm I'm pulling it back too because, like, um, you know, like I, I know when we set up the podcast, we're like, yeah, thought experiments. We're like, we're not gonna just talk about thought experiments, are we? Like, no, we're gonna talk about a lot of different things. Um, so, <laughs> oh, yeah. so yeah, sorry, can I jump back real quick? Yeah, of course. Into, so, so um, as you know, as I studied philosophy, I, you know, of course, get a sense of what thought experiments are, why I think they're useful. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ability for them to kind of at least give me data to, to decide things kind of increases. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, you learn, you're, we're studying physical experiments. You study many, many physical things, I, sorry, many things in philosophy. And right. um, one of the things I realized is that they're also more complicated and not as clean as, as many people think they are. In other words, we have little, too much, too much um, confidence in the physical experiments. Let me give you an example. Right. Um, I wish I had the citation with me. It's not too long ago. It was just a few years ago. Um, they had to throw out thousands upon thousands of case studies, okay, uh, okay. that were prior to this uh, assumed to be completely legitimate and used for all kinds of research, right? They had to throw it out because um, th- there were all these experiments. We do experiments on mice and rats all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it turns out so they can sense the gender you know the sex rather uh right. of of the uh of the experimenter and this changes their chemical and physiological reaction to the drugs and so that's essentially whether it was a female injecting you know right. the mouse or a male it, that changed um their physical reaction and it ruined all kinds of experimental data but 
my point wow. here is you can't fully control for all variables. Okay, exactly, it's yeah. extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. And um, for someone who doesn't like look into how those things work, how science works, um, you might have overconfidence in these, even, even huge studies that are double blind. There's problem with double right. blind studies. I mean, there's right. all kinds of issues uh, with these things, but anyhow, um, you know, for example, you're not, when you do an experiment next month, the stars aren't in the same place. That might seem crazy to some people, <laughs> yeah, but, but literally yeah. the world has changed. It's a different right. time and place. And like, there are yeah. subtle complex things we don't fully understand. You know what I mean? Right, and exactly. So, um, yeah, so, um, you know, if it depends if and what if the experimenter, you know, is a Pisces and you know the other one's a Libra, like you know that might. Right. I mean, yeah. So <laughs> I would. So I would. I don't, yeah. Hey, I would. Hey, that hey. is the one thing. <laughs> and no, you're about to. Okay. Yeah. That go wasn't ahead, fair. Go no. 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 Go ahead. <laughs> but I, no, no, no. I use that example. Yeah. Right, I use that course. example to show like that no one. So I I don't believe in astronomy, right? In yeah, terms no. of their predictions. Well, astrology, but, you mean? Uh, astro oh, astro okay. there you go. I don't okay. know the name. I want to make sure you don't. I do believe in astronomy. Stars <laughs> yeah, exist. Yeah, sun, yeah, exactly. The sun exists. Right, uh, no, but astronomy, right? Um, but what's interesting, interesting about astronomy is not the actual specific content, which is all BS. But Astrology, like the, sorry. Uh, astro I I just want to make sure that no one thinks that you I think hate that astronomy. Ron and Coke now is hitting, so. Uh. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, of course. But yeah, astro yeah, I don't, I mean, I say that as a joke because astrology for me is like one of the most worthless things to, to, com to complicate your life with. Um, right, exactly, exactly. But at the, but of course, science and astrology agree about a couple things, right? Which is that those distant stars that we're talking about yeah. do have a constant physical effect on you in, a, in the form of their gravity, right? Exactly. And that if any particular star, if that didn't exist either prior in the past or mm -hmm. if it suddenly stopped existing now, it would also have an effect on you, right? right. And so these effects are subtle and we don't um, actually record essentially the, you know, the small differences it's making. So we have no idea what kind of differences they're making. But mm -hmm. I, I guess I use a far-fetched example to actually show that um, – anything could be affecting our thought experiments is, you know, we can't fully control right. for everything. Hopefully exactly. the position of the stars are not, but if the, if the experiment is sensitive enough, I don't know, mm -hmm. man, the gravity might affect it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they have, I mean, yeah, as far as I know, the most sensitive gravity place is like that two mile long laser, um, that senses black hole, like, uh, like, is it supernovas or black? I forget what it is. Um, I, no idea what you're talking about. Oh, you don't know? Cool. Sounds cool. Oh wait, yeah. So there's this, so the so the way they um, sense uh, gravity um, from like uh, like gravity changes like in like supernovas and black holes and stuff like that um, is through this sensor that's like two miles long. So it's a laser, and the reason why it's so long is because um, there's sent, there's a very precise sensor on the other side, and or I forget I'm getting this very wrong, but basically the the structure of it is that if the laser even wobbles like the smallest amount, mm -hmm. the distance is so long that the, you know, the, um, the circumference, the, the circumference of that angle, I'm not saying that right. Yeah. The, 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 the length of that angle the magnitude changes, increases the it, change. it increases the change so much that we're able to actually measure tiny changes. Um, so it's a very interesting, like I, 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 I where is that? I don't know where it is, what it's called. I just remember learning about it in some class I was taking. Leave a comment if you think Luke made that. I one did. Up. I, <laughs> fact checking. Um, <laughs> also, leave a comment if you know what it is and have more information. There you go. Sensor. There you go. 
Yeah. I'll, hey, speaking, I'll speaking of, so laws of nature. Did someone say that, or did I just think that in my head? I think you just thought, I think you thought that in your head. Well, someone said right. it. Well, we're so talking about stars. Or we're talking about astrology. I'm not sure how much time we have left, but one of the issues that comes up I in mean, science, right, we're good. Uh, is is how to conceive of laws of nature, right? So how they're how they're normally conceived of is like, okay, there are these things that you know are always true. Yeah, you, if you discover the correct law of nature, it's going to tell you, you know, it, it holds always, right? That's what it mm-hmm. means to be a law of nature. There's no exceptions, right? right. Um, but okay. that's an assumption, notice, because yeah, yeah. as we as we look at this world evolving and getting more complex and everything keeps evolving, um, we might want to ask ourselves, do the laws of nature themselves evolve, hmm. right? right. Um, if the laws of nature themselves evolve, then they are not these immutable truths right well i mean that's like a most of like newtonian physics is completely invalid in quantum mechanics right right, right. exactly like, yeah on, on well, a quantum level it's not right true. but yeah. notice time notice traveling the, like yeah, yeah. All notice the assumption there though is that newtonian yeah. physics was not correct and, and the idea is is we gained more information the assumption isn't right. that actually newtonian physics was the truth and the world itself evolved into quantum right. physics yeah, yeah which yeah. is kind of like whoa <laughs> you know i'm not <laughs> this is kind of like uh sorry there's a guy rupert um sheldrake who believes this he actually has this whole bit about um is the is the speed of light a constant and talks about why mm, it okay. might not be a constant uh, every tool we have to measure it says it's a constant um, well, actually, apparently all the tools we measured, it got different things and we just averaged the number and said, it must be this. <laughs> By the way, I'm not crazy. It's called the LIGO. It's a laser interfere monitor gravitational wave observ- observatory. Luke, our, our it's in Washington. viewers are supposed to it's say that. It's in Washington. <laughs> so it's right by, it's near you. It's near We already us. told them to leave a yeah. comment, Luke. Yeah. You, you weren't supposed I, to look that I up. I did that for me. I don't care. About, remember, I don't care about the you viewers. Done it all I don't fair. want them to listen. They should have stopped by now. <laughs> if it's your first time, why are you here? Yeah, no, really, just leave. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, so yeah, exactly. Something like the speed of light. It's measured by our and our instruments that infallible humans created, right? And that's I think that's my thing. That's why I always like to focus on the present and like what I can do now. Like even mm-hmm. when I'm, you know, on this podcast, I'm not really, I'm, I'm, I'm only slightly worried about like the editing and like making sure it's cohesive. Like all that stuff yeah. is just like my host part of me, like in the future, <laughs> want to create something good for the people listening. Yeah. Um, but honestly, the world could end tomorrow. Like, and, and you know, none of the, you know, and so like, I, I always, I always like to focus like on the present, be like, okay, what can I do now? Of course, taking it into account the future, because I can assume I can make the assumption that it will be there. Um, but you know, it's a fairly safe assumption. It hasn't been. It wrong hasn't been yet. wrong yet. And like, what is life without a? I can't live my. You know, like I need to like figure out how to pay rent for next month. You know, like that kind of thing. You know. Um, yeah. So like, but that's why when 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 people get very like deep into that, especially like in in like figuring out like oh the truth from like even just like from whatever methods they use, I'm like okay, that's great. I want I want to learn. So I want to get the closest viewpoint to the truth as possible, mm-hmm. but also we also we have to accept that 
our minds are limited to the fact that we can't understand the entire universe with this yeah. thing. Well, maybe you can't, but I have big goals. <laughs> um, <laughs> As best we can, at least. I mean, you did say the, pod, the, the goal of this podcast was to understand everything, right? Uh, well, this, this episode, specific episode. Yeah, this episode was to understand everything. <laughs> I figured we could do it in an so, hour and a half, so, honestly. So my response, okay, my response is this. My, my wife tells me something that I find very annoying, okay? She says, why do you want to know? I hate Aunt you know, answering the question of why I want to know, because I don't want to presuppose how the knowledge is going to be useful. See, Um, there are certain things that it turns out, um, you know, don't don't seem useful now, but then later affect your worldview. Right. Oh yeah. So like, yeah, I I guess that's my interest in the court of details. So why, why isn't that just your answer then? Why wasn't your answer to why do you want to know? Just like, I don't know when or where or why. It well, might be because useful. she hates when I go philosopher mode. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's not a philosophical no. level. There's a, there's a relationship level into this. Yeah. A human level into this, <laughs> which is admirable because we all live together. We need to figure out each other. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, I think I definitely, I definitely see that. And um, cause you never know, like I, I spent my entire, the last seven years, like my whole professional career learning everything in all the fields i'm in because i mean and i don't know like someone might ask like podcasting i learned everything about it and it's one of the things i teach people the most is just how to actually start a podcast and like what you need and how to properly do it and you should teach me at some I, point i have yeah that's that's um, actually extremely valuable <laughs> skill this exactly. is my first no, podcast like, ever you know, oh wait, really? I'm only a parent. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I should. Oh, I should have got like little like balloons or something. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. That would have been exciting because here <laughs> in Texas, cherry. you can actually buy balloons. Well, see, um, well, my point there is like Luke runs this. Like he he puts this all together, and I show up. I mean, um, there you go. You you bring the but at some point, I mean, if Kevin I ever start my own show, let's be fair. <laughs> right. At some point, if I ever start my own show, I'm gonna be calling Luke and be like, "Hey, help me set this up." Yeah, yeah. And I'm concerned that he might just do it for me because he'd enjoy it. <laughs> I would enjoy it. Well, and that's well, and that's the thing. So, like, and that's I mean, to bring it like, and that that brings it to a professional level, like a brand level, going exactly what Devin just said is that everybody who knows me knows that if they're trying to do something, I was just talking to a younger, like a teenage friend of mine, um, who's trying to get into like LinkedIn and trying to deal with school. And I was the person that she turned to be why, because I've made it my mission to learn all of that and to let everyone know that I know that stuff. Um, that's awesome. So, so exactly like Devin says, and that's why I think that when it comes to philosophy, I think that's, that's valuable in knowing things because when people have questions, then they can turn to you because they know that you know how to answer and, and talk through questions. Well, the funny thing, though, yeah, is definitely. when you ask a philosopher a question, you don't get an answer. Well, that's, that's true. Not, <laughs> but that's not if exactly the question was good enough. Right. Well, exactly. exactly. <laughs> if the question is good enough, you don't give them an answer. You say, here, let's talk well, about there isn't this. One. Exactly. <laughs> and you need to come to your own conclusion. Right. right? I'm not going to And you walk you. away more confused and you're like, man. Right. I mean, that's the that's reason. So, like, why, now that I know you, Dean, right? And I know you're like on a, on a, you know, on a level of we've had, you know, a two hour conversation now. Um, now that I know you, right? And especially through Devin, whether we have you on the podcast again or like however, we, you know, however I ask you, mm-hmm. I know that if I have a question, then you're someone who I know that I can be like, oh, I wonder, I wonder what Dean's perspective is on this because you actually... He doesn't have time for you. <laughs> I'm saying if we get you on this podcast, but like uh, as an example, right? As, a, as an example. Um, that's why I think that, that ha- asking those questions are, is, is necessary is because I, I believe that each one of them will be useful in some way, whether mm-hmm. you're using that to inform another idea and another question 
um, or you're using it directly to help yourself or someone else. I don't think there's any downside to actually asking questions and learning things. Yeah, um, definitely. So, Dean, did we do it? Did we do what? Did we did we prove that science is a religion? <laughs> um, I did not. I did not realize that was the goal of this episode. Um, I would say I yeah. Feel, well, oh. no. He, what was your topic? You said <laughs> yeah, right. it's just the relationship but, between so science the relationship, and religion, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I would conclude that they're more like each other than we thought. Right. Okay. They both they both play this um, world shaping view in people's lives to answer comp, you know uh, deep questions about mm-hmm. where we come from, where we're going. You know, um, I think that they both you know kind of have this claim to knowledge. Uh, it's really interesting to see for me how they're actually more similar than apart. Um, now, yeah. obviously, um, their methodologies differ, and I think you know religion is is less about methodology. Um, I, I, I'm not defending any kind of religious methodology because I don't know what that would mean. Um, but I do think that there's plenty of, you know, things to consider outside of just strict empirical science. Um, and if we're kind of throwing that into the hat, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, cause you know, the, a lot of philosophers and early scientists were all believers in God. And mm-hmm. so there's mm-hmm. not, I don't see a, a contradiction there. I guess that, that's part of it. A lot of this is a cultural war too, right? I mean, um, I was always taught, I I was like, when I was a teenager in early adulthood, it was like, oh man, look at this debate between evolution and creation. And -hmm. I found it really interesting, but who framed it as a debate between evolution and creation? Because obviously they're not in competition. You know what I mean? Once you look at it and it's like, um, evolution's awesome. And it tells us how things change once they're already here. (laughs) You know what I mean? Creation is a completely different thing. It's a claim about how things got here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think a lot of it is cultural. That's why I was, that's why I'm curious um, about, you know, how like all these different like things. Um, I'm curious to see how it's talked about and thought about even in, within different parts of America. Like, cause you know, if you grow up, grow up in the Bible belt, like I was just listening to a podcast of someone, they're talking about religion and like how was it us? What? No. Um, <laughs> and they're talking about, you know, their whole journey in faith and how they grew up in the Bible Belt. And that was very interesting to me because I, I didn't grow up that. I grew up in California and San Diego, you know. Um, so it's a completely different experience and cultural beliefs and all these different things. And even talking to Devin, too, we were just talking about your beliefs. And I was stunned. I was like, wait, what? I've never heard that before. That's very interesting. Um, that's like I want to I want to like absorb that. I want to know why you think this way because um, I've never heard this belief and this and these arguments for that belief before. So – that's why I'm fascinated about talking with people, especially like, you know, and, you know, that's why I love having a podcast and why I've been doing it for so long um, is that I love all five episodes. I mean, <laughs> okay, my personal, my personal podcast um, is that I, I absolutely love, you know, hearing other people's perspectives and hearing um, like why you, why, why you think the way you think, not necessarily even believe, but you know, why you think the way you think. Um, because to me, I think that forms everything. Um, and it's just fascinating. Um, but Devin, would you say that we have overthought this? I don't even know what we've overthought, <laughs> but we've overthought. I was giving you, I was giving you the line, you know, I, and I, I, I used to, I know exactly. Yeah, I know. I was, it, it, to, it, it, it I, have point just, I have to disagree. Two hours is not enough time to overthink this subject. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree I'm too. Still, I still have a lot more to say. So but. Dean, <laughs> we, uh, we have this, 
running bit when we're, when we're done done with an idea for the yeah. day we end it by saying all right we've overthought i could tell I could yeah t- exactly yeah because <laughs> I, I think it is i think for the sake of the listener i think this is a good place to kind of wrap it up yeah uh, yeah, yeah you know yeah. solid i think it was a solid two hours i absolutely loved uh meeting you and talking with you dean um i and i i love having I love meeting with people with different perspectives and coming, and especially you have a background, you know, in so many different things, philosophy, poly, uh, pol- uh, political science, um, you know, econo- I believe you said economics too, like a little, you say political economics? No, no, Whatever, pl- you know. uh, well, political science, but in uh, uh, philosophy, my specialty in graduate school is normative ethical theory. Nor- yeah, exactly. Uh, there it is. Uh, yeah. yeah. But so, actually, as, a, as an undergrad, I went the most generalist route you could do, which is like I stayed right. an additional year and completed four different areas of focus. So I try to okay. have a broad ranging view in terms yeah. of, in which terms is of great. Philosophy. And that, and that just, that makes you very, very interesting to talk with. Um, but thank you. You can find, do we want to do plugs? Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Dean, do you want people to find you? Not necessarily where you live. Oh, shoot. Don't, don't go definitely to his house. Not. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if not, yeah. Do you have, like, no, do you have like, I, so if you have any questions for Dean, ask yeah, me. I, I'm not a big social media Dean. person actually. Okay. So I don't, I don't have a lot of online presence. Um, so, right. so for now, I will remain just you know Dean Tracy. Exactly. Okay, just Dean Tracy. Then, if you have questions, we can uh, we'll have, we'll ask Devin. Um, but you can email the yep. show with questions. We can relate them to you and maybe bring and bring you back on with questions um, to overthinkingpodcastshow at gmail.com. That's the email right now. It might redirect to something later once we figure all that out. But for right now, that's where we're at, and we're not going further. Um, yeah, overthinkingpodcast.com is where you can find the episodes and links to everything and the show notes, which Devin has, I will say, at this point in time of recording, Devin has finally, well, not finally, I would say, I was behind all the episodes. Devin got show notes to me because I finally finished the first episode, and I will say they are the best show notes I've ever read in my entire life. I wouldn't say they're the most valuable. I say they're the best, though. <laughs> no, truly, I laughed out loud reading them. I got inform- information on them. They're time-stamped, so you can find what we're talking about, um, different quotes of what we're saying and stuff like that. You have your work cut out for, for you on this one. Um, I do not envy you. Uh, also, I have to edit this. So. <laughs> this one's going to have a single show note. It's going to be, welcome to the mic, Dean Tracy. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but again, again, I want to uh, thank you so much dean for spending uh your sunday afternoon with us uh we're both very appreciative i know i am i assume devin is um and hopefully yeah in in the future um you know talk to devin about different ideas and stuff about coming back on i'm sure we'd love to have you yeah it's been great you again it's been great thank you luke thank you devin and i'd love to come back on anytime awesome that's great and we don't have it and we still don't have um an outro (laughs) we don't have an outro